Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Just in! Update on our Minnesota live show! <laughs> oh, yes! The show will go on, people. Mm-hmm. We are so excited to see you on Friday, August 12th, 2022, in St. Paul. Indeed, and this will be a show unlike any other you've seen before. And due to the adorable parasite growing inside of our fair Kenyan, she is on bed rest and instructed not to travel. But fear not! Lucy and I have concocted an alternative variety show that will put Vaudeville back on the map with special appearances by some of our favorite friends. And purse burgers. Mm-hmm. Tickets are still available, but they are going fast. So get yours immediately at wineandcrimepodcast.com. And now on to the show. You are listening to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Mm. Oh, yeah! <laughs> you bet! Sure do! <laughs> Don't want to stick out like a sore thumb. <laughs> we were all just watching a clip of the OG how to speak Minnesota or how to talk Minnesotan. Full length. Movie. The like T the like PBS nineteen eighty four. Yeah. What are you doing, Amanda? I'm covering my cough. Oh. So no. my rabbits don't get COVID. Oh honey. Okay. Is that a thing? Oh, oh no. Right. It's not a thing. <laughs> I'm insane. Got it. Amanda has COVID. It's great, you guys. I don't know what everyone has been freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> freaking out of bleh. It sucks. (coughs) I hate it! (laughs) Um, We are still in a pandemic. Cases are surging. Everyone take care of yourselves. Mask up. Mm. Do all the things. Vaccinate your kids. Did you see that fucking statistic where it was like, Half of all parents are thinking they won't vaccinate their children. What? Against COVID. Yeah. You guys, Don't be a fucking moron. (laughs) Please, I can't do this. I know. (laughs) It's all part of the gentle slide into fascism. It really is, though. It literally is. Honestly, at this point, I would welcome a fascist leader who just forces vaccination on everybody. No, you say (laughs) that now, but there are lots of downsides. I'll take it. I'll take it. (laughs) Of course, a lot of other things. Assassination is always an option. (laughs) Fascination. A fascination. (laughs) Okay, setting that aside. Anyway. She's got COVID. She's not thinking straight. I did give COVID to President Biden, though. That we can confirm that rumor. <laughs> you did, I did yeah. It. You caught it like one day before he did. Yep, he got it. I want him to know. Tell Cersei <laughs> it was me. <laughs> so, congrats to President Harris <laughs> <laughs> on your 
ascendancy on your rays. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> your rays. <laughs> now cancel student loans. Okay. Yeah. okay Please cool. and thank you. Super great. Also, who are we? Thanks oh, in advance. <laughs> We're all doing mentally perfect. And I am Kenyon. I'm <laughs> flawless and I'm Lucy. <laughs> I am Amanda. <laughs> This cough is extremely unproductive. It's just been a three-year-plus depressive episode. It's fine. Is if, it all? If we don't laugh, we we die without <laughs> stopping. So let's just laugh as let's long just, as we can. Let's just laugh, guys. And uh, <laughs> let's just get to the topic. So this week, we have a very special fan pick brought to you by Emily Maxwell. I, I'm I'm doing max well right now, and I've maxed out on my wellness. <laughs> yeah, personally, <For> <laughs> now it's now it's all deductible. No, can't you stop my wellness? <laughs> deductible. <laughs> Emily has selected the topic of jailbreaks. God, it's so good. Why are people so crazy <laughs> to break out of jail or to not break out of jail? Honestly, both. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, if you're facing a really long sentence or life in prison, I get it. If you're facing a short, shorter sentence, I Just really don't out. get it. Well, we'll kind of we'll kind of talk about the reasonings a little bit. So okay, we, let's save our pondering for later in my segment. I will never save my pondering. It's also just like way more common than you would think, and easier. Seemingly, than you would I think. haven't seen any statistics, but it's, I've seen enough cases. I've got a statistic for you. It's not that common, and okay. it is actually kind of easy when it does yeah. happen. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. All yeah. right. Well. Okay, jailbreaks. Let's get to our wine crime pairing. Amanda, what have you got for us? Okay, I chose this a long time ago and then didn't leave myself a note about why I chose it. (laughs) (laughs) I also have it and can't fucking drink it. Oh, no. Because of my COVID. Yeah, you probably don't want to add alcohol. I don't on top. want to add alcohol, and it wouldn't be worth it because although I don't have like the long term COVID loss of taste and smell, I have such intense sinus issues that I I'm too like clogged up yeah. to really mm-hmm. taste or smell anything. Save so it. I'm not gonna fucking drink wine no, no. that none looks of us really are, good. None of us are drinking alcohol today. That's sad. Well, it's also maybe just fine. But I I, I'm just going to figure out why I paired this. I paired <laughs> if you can help me. Okay, if you we find any connection, shout it out. I think Tons. I was just like, oh my God, it's so funny how chic it is to break out of pr- prison these days because I was seeing like so many prison break stories in my timeline. I think that's literally why I picked it. So this is the Wink Treshik Rose. That tray. makes no sense. Your, all your meals are served on trays. Oh, that wasn't it, but I really like that. Okay. I really like I'm that. I'm bending over backwards for you here, honey. Yeah. Chic prison <laughs> fashions. Mm-hmm. Prison chic. Prison recipes. Orange is the new black. Mm-hmm. Sure. 
I don't fucking know. There are a lot of bed sheets involved with prison breaks. I picked this like two months ago. And I I remember picking it and then like chuckling to myself and being like, that's good. And what then does the not, bottle look like? It just, it's really cute, but it doesn't have anything like fancy on it. It just says Trey Chic. No bars? No bars. Hmm. Y'all, I don't know. I don't Weird. know. But it looks really good. And okay. it's from our friends over at Wink Wine Club, which if you do not know, is an online wine club that delivers wine to your door, which is really great in year 800 of this pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> And if you head to trywink.com forward slash gals, that's T-R-Y-W-I-N-C dot com forward slash G-A-L-S, you can get 20 bucks off your first order. And this wine is a bright, lively, aromatic rosé. It's going to carry you away to the south of France, which honestly, I would love that right now. It's where you might go after you break out of prison. But that's, I would flee to the south of France. I've never been. Why not? go now out mm-hmm. of my prison cell. Yeah. Um, one of the most magical aspects of wine is its ability to transport you. Maybe that's why I picked this. There we out go. of prison. Sure. Prison. I don't know. Prison vans. Yeah. yeah. I have, I've got, we'll a, get to I've got an escape out of a prison van. Nice. Lock. I don't. Mm. I have a, I can't wait. So this wine uh, comes from a region along the Mediterranean Sea. It boasts bountiful sunshine and perfect temperatures for growing grapes. So, like Southern Just French. Just like a prison cell. Yes. Perfect. Perfect <laughs> prison, sunshine. People make wine in prisons. Spacious. Bountiful in sunshine. Bountiful sunshine Beautiful for one hour Gorgeous. <laughs> um, it's also home to some of the most picturesque landscapes in all of France. With blue seas, rolling hills, and lavender fields, this is the ideal place to escape. I know, I know that's why I picked this, because of the description. <laughs> a, bl- a blend of Grenache and Cinso, the grapes for this wine were pressed directly and aged in stainless steel to preserve freshness. You're going to get citrus, red berry, um, some like herbal notes. This is like a perfect classic rosé. You can drink this anytime you need a virtual vacation, either from COVID or your prison cell. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is the perfect rosé color. It's so gorgeous. It's just, I love it. She's a popper. I, she's upstairs. We're not gonna, <laughs> we'll just, I'm we'll not. just say pop. None yep, of us are drinking okay. today. Pop. Pop. Yay. <laughs> Nice Perfect pop. Nice pop. Sorry, guys. We're doing, we have to maintain our mental health. Okay. It's I'm dying fine. Mm-hmm. Well, All right. Uh, cheers. Cheers, everybody. I'm going cheers. really crazy and having a caffeinated bubble water. Ooh, nice. I got At straight up nuggies. you guys. Straight up Ooh. ice water. Yum. I have a sip of Coca-Cola left, and then I will be rocking ice water. Ooh. All right. Nice. Raw dogging. What is our background and maybe psych for jailbreaks? Mm. Okay, so jailbreaks, also known as prison escapes, breakouts, and bust outs. I will I say when I break out. I know, right? Prisons and jails are two different things, which we discussed mm-hmm. in our prison crimes episode, which wasn't that long ago. So Correct. do you have any questions? Further questions I, about jails, prisons, etc., go check out that episode. Mm-hmm. And I covered that French guy. 
who broke out of <laughs> with a helicopter. Who I'll broke get, out of prison I'll with get. a helicopter not that long ago either. So I'm like actually <laughs> kind of sad that we already used that case. I know. Because it's so fucking good. It's like one of my favorite cases you've ever done. I know. It's ridiculous. pretty epic. It's epic. It's so Anyway, epic. I can't wait for our movie with Zach Galifianakis and... Kristen Wiig. Meryl and Kristen Wiig. Mm. A jailbreak is an act of an inmate leaving prison through unofficial or illegal ways. Escaping from prison is also a criminal offense in some countries, such as the U.S. and Canada, and it is likely to result in time being added to the inmate sentence as well as the inmate being placed under increased security, maybe taking away their privileges. And so what if it's in increased security, that is most likely a maximum security prison or a supermax prison. So there are big risks. There yeah. are big risks. And but um big risk, big reward, baby. If you're already in a supermax prison or you already have a super long sentence, then right. well, you got to lose, bitch. So just to address this now, I know I said it later in my notes, but even if you had like a life sentence in a supermax prison or whatever, which by the way would be Close to impossible to escape from. But let's just say you had a life sentence in a regular prison. You were thinking about escaping. You do have to weigh the fact that you may or may not have certain privileges like visitations from your family, phone calls, TV, books, like classes, things like that. Yeah, it could make your there exercise are, time. There are yeah. still privileges that can absolutely be taken, taken away as part of your punishment. So do right. weigh that. As well, solitary for, for all of our is not who fun. Are currently in prison, they're <laughs> yeah. planning to go. Think this through. <laughs> I'm just saying, anything could happen. In some jurisdictions, this is fucking crazy. Including the U.S., escaping from jail or prison is a criminal offense. In Virginia, for instance, the punishment for escape depends on whether the offender escaped by using force or violence or setting fire to the jail. Mm, putting other people at risk is going to mm -hmm. increase your that fucking, makes sense. Yep. Yeah. Consequences. And also the seriousness of the fence for which they were imprisoned in the first place. So if you're in there for like mass murder mm -hmm. and you break out and you're that much more of a threat to society upon yeah. getting out to the public, your consequences are going to be higher than if you're in for like stealing Ab stamps from absolutely. the post office. Yes, right. Absolutely. I don't know why that example that is all specific. that came into my head. I, I don't know that you needed go to prison for that, but I you don't know. Needed one single solitary stamp for like the last two and a half weeks, and I just right? haven't. You know, you gone can get them get from it. ATMs. What from U.S. Bank ATMs? You can buy stamps. Really? Whoa! Yeah, I've bought stamps my from ATMs before. Is Whoa. Okay. I got a roll of stamps a while ago when I did my Valentine's and I didn't use them all. And I have now just had them for a year and a half because I will never use stamps. I have a roll of stamps somewhere in this house and I cannot find it. I use stamps kind of frequently. Yeah. You're weird. You're a post office gal. You are. I am. I am. Mm -hmm. I'm a I'm a civic duty kind of mm -hmm. gal. Yeah. 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 I'll just email. I like to I'm vote. <laughs> I did jury duty once, never again. I have I a great excuse to never to do vote. it again. Yeah. It was a horrible experience. Ugh. Anyway, in Russia, escaping from prison is an offense that can result in up to four years being added to an inmate sentence. Although on average, it's like seven years in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So I don't know seven why that's bad luck. Is bad luck. Mm-hmm. However, in Belgium, Germany, the Netherlands, Sweden, Austria, and a few other countries, the philosophy of the law holds 
that it is human nature to want to escape. So in those countries, escapees who do not break any other laws, such as like holding a guard at gunpoint or whatever, are not charged and no extra time is added to their sentence. I kind of like that. So if they get caught, they're just like, mm-mm-mm. <laughs> That's human nature for you. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Which okay. I thought was she really, really interesting. Flee. It's, it's like try to flee. Lying to the police. Right. It's human nature to lie. I feel also, like also. Just never talk to the police. I feel like okay. we've also covered cases where people have escaped from prison and we're like, what the fuck? They just put them back? They just stick them back in? Like it no extra punishment? Like sometimes. I mean, that is what happens sometimes. But I feel yeah. like we've wondered about this on the show before. Mm-hmm. Well, now we know. Mm-hmm. Now we know. So no, no, for sure. I will now teach you how to break out of prison. Yes. Thank God. <laughs> this is the information notes. I needed. Yeah, honey. So here's just some method. We're going to start with some methods. We'll just get our juices flowing. Okay, okay, okay. These can be used individually or like as a combination. And these are straight from Wikipedia and in alphabetical order. Great. So the first we have is cell escape. So these occur through either the door, the window, the light, the ventilation system, by breaking down the walls, or by tunneling underground. You're just escaping from the cell itself. Hiding mm-hmm. using a poster of a pinup girl. So that's different. That's a different category. Oh, okay. Is that going to come up in your case? Mm. No, that's Shawshank, baby. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay, right, right, right. Some prisoners have escaped by picking the locks on their cells, baby bell keys, for example. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Creating keys to their cells, I guess, in that case. Sawing off, sawing the bars off of the doors and windows, carving away at the walls, or breaking, like, chipping away at the vent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then we have the sexy name of containment penetration. Oh, oh, my. Excuse. <laughs> it reminded me of the soft pressing. Yeah. yeah. Color me titillated. <laughs> yeah. What'd you learn about today? Containment pre- penetration. penetration. <laughs> Sex ed, baby. So containment penetration involves breaking down or slipping through the physical containment of the prison, including that of the cell itself or the surrounding complex. So methods include the destruction of the cell or compound walls, squeezing through tight spaces or entering off-limits areas. This is really close to cell escape, but it's not specifically to the cell itself. So, yeah, so they might, one escape may involve both techniques. Oh, all of these can be used in combination. Right. Right. So prisoners often destroy their containment with homemade tools, smuggled objects, or other contraband Most prisons are contained on the outside by one or more fences, so often topped with barbed wire or razor wire. Escapees manage to scale these fences successfully or cut holes in the fences, which ultimately damage them. I saw some, I think it was the Escape from Alcatraz movie, which I'll be Mm -hmm. talking about the 1962 Escape from Alcatraz in reality a couple more times, but... I think it's either this or some other movie. They 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 get like rugs and they throw the rugs over the razor wire yeah. and then climb yeah. over that. Yeah. Yeah. So they don't cut themselves. Yep. Mm-hmm. Smart. It's just smart. It's, it's also smart. common for breaking in to places, places with yeah. razor wire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Complexes yeah. Mm-hmm. and whatever. So these fences are also watched by one or more guards from a tower, but escapees manage to pass the fence when a guard is turned away or maybe unable to see in the dark or maybe sleeping on the job, which happens a lot. lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, Jesus. And that's like, those are just like 
kind of mistakes. That doesn't even account for how many prison guards are like in on it for money oh, or yeah. other things we'll that get we'll get to, to in my case. All of that as well. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow induced. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Convinced. So Manipulated, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Paid so off. So outside the fences is often a perimeter patrol conducted by an officer in a vehicle, which stands as the final line of defense. Obviously, every jail and prison works differently, but this is just very generalized. Yeah, there mm -hmm. could be like multiple lines of fencing or mm -hmm. walls or and or both. There could be multiple vehicles that are patrolling the area at any given time. And also something to think mm. about is that the the prisoners might not know about these final lines of defense until they get to them. Mm -hmm. They might yeah. not know mm -hmm. that there are three vehicles and not one doing rounds or whatever. Right, it's not like when you're brought into the prison, they're like, here are our security protocols. Right. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> Take notes. <laughs> so escapees might manage to evade these by studying the length of time between the passes of the vehicles, waiting until it's on the... Uh, completely opposite side you, or using the cover of darkness. Mm -hmm. I love the cover of darkness. I feel like too. if I were ever put in prison for a very long time, I would spend so much time observing and planning and zero time Try actually I, oh, like yeah. doing it. Whoa, You're the brain. <laughs> you have so much fucking time to sit around and think about this shit. Yeah. That's all you think have about to what do. you've done. Yeah. And yeah. actually, well, I'll get to it later, but basically, you uh from a legitimate source say that you spend all this time just having nothing to do, that you automatically track these things without planning on escaping necessarily. Mm -hmm. It's just something to do right to like right. track the comings and goings and anticipate things yeah, it's the only thing poor. you really have to anticipate you know right and to just have like a sense of control over your own life mm -hmm. to like understand the context around you exactly mm -hmm. so this is sometimes used but it's more rare a method that's been used involves the digging of a tunnel under the facility that exits outside of the facility a la Shawshank Redemption we will oh. also get to that Amazing. So will we. Um, okay, so another method might be physical force. So the physical force involves attacking guards with blunt force, homemade weapons, smuggled weapons, or weapons stolen from overtaking guards. Mm -hmm. Then we have deception. So this may involve... My favorite. This may involve fooling one or more guards into believing the prisoner is authorized to depart prison grounds for a legitimate reason or the prisoner disguising themselves as a worker or civilian who can exit the prison grounds without arousing suspicion, or the creation of a ruse to mislead the guards, to misle the guards. Misle their asses. <laughs> I'm realizing that my case involves every All single method. <laughs> Good. Combinations. Yeah. So in some escapes, inmates construct makeshift dummies to make guards believe that they are still in their cells, usually in bed when they are, in fact, not. Inmates and teens. I have one of those. Mm-hmm. I know. Teens I have one of those in my the case. world with curfews. So I know that Amanda's <laughs> case involves these dummies, but I'm going to talk about a, briefly about a different example of this. Mm-hmm. So such dummies are typically constructed very crudely, often using the inmates or another's hair, shoes, miscellaneous materials for stuffing, 
hidden under the blanket to give the appearance, appearance that a body is present. So like I said, in 1962, I think it was six men escaped Alcatraz. They have still never, ever been found. Good they for them. successfully escaped Alcatraz. I didn't Good know that. Yeah, them. I know. Wow. Well, I think some of them were like murderers and things like that. Don't like, there care. There was a reason they were in Alcatraz, but wow. don't care. It's still a very daring escape. So, 1962. Proud of them. They made these dummy heads, of which I have photos on the drive, which will be on the blog if you want to look yes. at them. These were made out of a mixture of soap and <gasps> toilet paper. That is horrific. They're horrific. So maybe there were only four. I think there's only four, right? But like pretty detailed? Yeah. Yeah, that's what makes them so scary. So they use, like I said, toilet paper and soap to make like a paper mache. And then they stole- Papier mache. Papier mache. Then they stole paint from the maintenance shop <laughs> and hair from the barbershop floor. From the top of their the hand. Floor de barber shop. Yeah. How you say, uh. Le cul de barber shop. <laughs> the asshole of the barber shop. Yeah, the bottom of the barber shop. Oh, okay. I know what I said. Oh my God, you guys. It's so stupid. I don't have like. Pictures of the of the dummies that my guys use. I think they just like stuffed clothes into the bed to make it look like yeah. someone was under like there. They didn't make like a face. Well, yeah, these Let's, are like this these, are over, really these are like, an art project. <laughs> Tell me you have nothing to do in prison without telling me like, you have nothing, these are to, do nothing to do in prison. <laughs> these I are like these fucking things. These are fucking unique as shit and will haunt me forever. These yeah. faces look more realistic than my actual face. <laughs> like these are. Incredible. And one of them, do you see the lineup one? Yeah, honey. One of them is only a I half see face. It. Well, because the blanket was pulled up. Yeah. yeah. They didn't it's need smart. to have the full face. Yeah, work smarter, not harder, honey. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so fucking love it. Human hair that they just yeah. gathered up from the floor. No. Paint the that they stole from the barbershop. Very shop. pronounced. Yeah, they yeah. definitely got microblading. This was the sixties for sure. <laughs> but wow. apparently, they like escape. They put these dummies in. They escaped. I don't remember how. I think they went like through the root, like the ventilation system or something. Wow. They got Incredible. out. They don't know exactly how they did it because, again, they've never been caught. But sure. they had like. Either rubber rafts or just like life jackets to help them swim to shore. Because we were in San Francisco not that long ago and we saw it's where far. Alcatraz was. It's far off the it shore. It doesn't, but it's, it's not. It's not super far. It's not like yeah. a remote island. Yeah. Yes, but far enough that like. Could I swim that, it? No. Right. Well, no, but like I used to like actually be a legitimate swimmer and swimming that length in even if it's a bay, it's still an ocean with cold water at night and a current. Yep, at night, mm -hmm. like that is. But if you're motivated, you can cut a chicken. You can cut a chicken, absolutely. But I do, absolutely. I do think they had a boat though, or some yeah, sort of they flotation would have to have assistance. Some kind something. of assistance. Yeah. You could drown so easily in that right. amount of. Space. I don't think that so they easily just swam. Yeah, and they're probably not giving fucking swimming lessons at Alcatraz. Mm -hmm. Like they, but also if you're. A young guy, and you're very healthy, and totally. your fucking life depends on it. Yeah. And if nobody is chasing you, and you can, like, 
leisurely backstroke. Back, yeah. <laughs> Float a little. Put whatever. on your bathing cap. It's not. Get, get a little sun. It, I think it would be really fucking hard and a lot of people couldn't do it, but but it's also not impossible that some people could do it. Thousand percent not impossible. It's not impossible. Thousand percent. But, okay, we're going to, let's table that. We're going to circle back to it later on in my segment. Okay. I will say about these dummy heads, though, that in 2017, the FBI, like, scanned them with, like, some special tool to digitally preserve them because... The fact that they were made out of fucking toilet paper in 1962. They're so amazing. Well, they're disintegrating. Mm. And because the case is still open, they're still considered evidence. So they're trying to preserve it. Oh, yeah. So that's why recently there was like a renewed, you know, interest, a little flare up in these heads. Those murdering fucks are on a beach somewhere living their best life. Probably. God bless them. Probably. Okay, so another uh, another method of escape, exploitation of weaknesses. So finding holes in the security of the facility and taking advantage of them. This may include the discovery of overlooked security issues, like maybe they know that one camera is broken or something. Right. Or like a patch of the electric fence goes out. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Or taking advantage of guards who are not following policies or procedures or are otherwise not doing their jobs properly. If I were a prison guard, I would see be so corrupt. I'd be like, oh, you're making pr- you're making toilet wine. I like toilet wine. What do you want? What do you want for a? Have you, you for that uh, ever thought about making me a papier mâché head <laughs> out of toilet paper? How good are you at eating pussy? Ew, that is assault. Let's go. Hey, <laughs> I ask. No. That's consenting. That's no. the question. You say, how good are you at it? Not yeah, do I you want to. I just how good you are at it. <laughs> she is joking. Everyone, she is joking. Oh, my God. 100% well, she's the one who all. can do no wrong, so she's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Send your emails to her. Hey, I know. Derek will be right on that. Oh, my God. She has COVID. She's delirious. Moving on. <laughs> So exploitation of corruption. So you can take like advantage. Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, you do. I know. You can take advantage of intentional wrongdoing on part of prison staff. This may include the use of weapons or other contraband smuggled in by staff or receiving assistance from staff who assist due to their personal initiative or by other means of compensation. I have that. Or just even like establishing like friendly enough relationships with staff and they like I got a romantic relationship. I got a whole thing about that. That is mm-hmm. different from corruption. Okay. My next one we've already covered. Another method would be helicopter and painted clementines. Yes. <laughs> Painting fruit just to look like grenades. <laughs> fucking just use avocados, you idiot. And what episode was smarter, that? Not harder. That was pretty Prison recent. Crimes. Was it prison? Isn't that part prison? of the helicopter prison escape thing? Yeah. Was, okay. So that was yeah, not very long yeah, ago. That was pretty recent. Mm-hmm. Also, grenades come up in my case today. Oh what? my god! You and grenades? Are they real grenades this time? Yeah. Okay. Good. Oh, juicy. <laughs> Literally. Another method: failure to return. So since some lower security inmates are permitted to leave prison grounds temporarily on the honor mm-hmm. that they will return, so like work release programs, yeah. whatever. These include those who depart for employment outside the facility or furloughs that allow time outside for periods of time. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that would be, like furlough, like government furloughs, like they could when the be government shut like, down. No, like you're let out for, you know, 12 hours to attend your mother's funeral. A funeral, yeah. Oh, or, okay. you know, 
Got it. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that's that. It's a little bit different because you're allowed to go out by yourself. But mm-hmm. the next method is escape from the outside. So this is breaking out while in custody outside the facility grounds. So prisoners. Right. So if you're out like they're fucking picking up trash on the side of the road, tra- where there's a guard there. Yep. But- or moving between facilities, attending mm-hmm. court hearings, hospitalization, medical appointments. It varies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, orange is the new black. There's a lot of that. Yeah. Shit. Mm-hmm. One could also rely on outside help. So receiving aid from an accomplice outside prison walls, including those who provide a ride to the inmate following their penetration. I got <laughs> Say that. in a helicopter. In a helicopter, possibly. Smuggling in, smuggling in contraband as visitors or using helicopters. That was in this article. <laughs> or oh motorcycles. God. That'll come mm. up in my case. When a banned item is smuggled, it can either be slipped through or tossed over the fence from the outside, hidden in a gift to the inmate when the gift is legal, or slipped past corrupt security officers. Mm -hmm. In some cases, the staff are the source of the smuggling themselves. Yeah, a lot of prison guards bring in shit into prisons. Yep. Yep. Not good. We, uh, drugs. I've I've, I've got a lot of info about drugs. About drugs. (laughs) Drugs. Bringing in rugs to really like cozy up the cells. Just to tie the room together. It ties the cell together. (laughs) (laughs) Area rugs. It can't be bigger than eight by eight. (laughs) Rugs are hard, you know, because like you want a a pattern, but it also can't be like can't be too too, busy. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, but I feel like a prison cell is pretty minimalist. Right, you probably take some risks with your rugs. That's true. That you wouldn't normally take at That's all. True. Like, just I'd change to, up the accessories. I'd love right. to like layer a cowhide, yeah. like a few oh, of them, or like I a love, jute. Yes, I love a jute, a rug layer. <laughs> I love the natural textures, fibers. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. God, I want a cowhide now. I am foaming at the mouth to decorate this cell. <laughs> Let me in there. <laughs> I think I do really well in a cell. <laughs> You're barely scraping by in a three-story house. <laughs> I know, but granted, you never leave your house. But less to clean. Less I to could, clean. I could read a lot. I'm staying I would so read. intentionally quiet in this. <laughs> I part would of the do a lot of crunches. I wouldn't have to recock my fucking bathtub for the zillionth time. Well, you won't have a bathtub <laughs> for one. True, thing. that'd be hard. <laughs> okay, <laughs> moving. On. That would that would be that would be a, your undoing. <laughs> not you do not really having well. A tub would be your unraveling. Yeah, in a in a bathroom the size of a cell. <laughs> you would that has a nice soaking. Leave tub. your You'd sink on for like forty eight hours and just flood the whole flood. floor and then take a bath. Right. <laughs> yeah, you would get creative. I think your nighttime skincare routine would suffer. Yeah, mm, I don't need any would. conjugal visits. I know no. he loves me. It's fine. <laughs> I need home. I need bathtub visits. Right. <laughs> I also, I think in in the beginning, her nighttime skincare routine would suffer, but I think she'd find ways to make her own products. Yeah, other people would be making toilet wine and a I would be rub. making toilet You'd be hyaluronic making a acid. Serum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> toilet hyaluronic acid. <laughs> you might. Toilet malingets. <laughs> you, you might 
crush it in prison. I'd do better in prison than a convent. That's for fucking sure. (laughs) That is, that's the truest thing you've ever said. Okay, okay. So another note, escaping from island prisons, which we kind of talked about with Alcatraz. Escaping from an island prison brings another challenge of crossing the water to free land. This can be done by construction of a makeshift raft or receiving outside help from the owner of a boat. And like Mm -hmm. I said, in the Alcatraz escape, they know, oh, I guess, okay, they know this. They know that they made a makeshift raft from raincoats. So they stole a bunch of raincoats, made a raft. I don't know why raincoats float, but whatever. Well, it's probably raincoats and... Well, so they think that might be how they floated to land, but another theory was that a boat was used to transport them. Maybe the raincoats were, like, waterproof and they could, like, tie off the arms or something and fill them with air and then, like, Mm -hmm. make them into a life preserver. Maybe, but they would have had Coca-Cola, like, two-liter Coke bottles. Yeah, like, wrapped a raincoat Mm -hmm. around, yeah, like, cans or bottles or things that float. They wouldn't Mm -hmm. have had very long to put this together, though, because this isn't something that you can, like, assemble and then save and then use. I feel like people tried escaping from Robben Island Mm. And they like encountered boats that were used by people, you know, running the island to transport goods back and right. forth. And so they were able to like seal Call those. The near one, yeah, basically, yeah. I think that's or happened. just like hang on to the back really quietly. Right, grab and just a, hitch rope. a ride. Boats have so many ropes. It's true. They're typically not loose in the water, but I hear what you're saying. Whatever. Mm-hmm. What? Like it's hard. <laughs> Okay, so I found a GQ article that outlines the best way to break out of prison. Oh my god! But as the listicle, but as the editor's note, quote, please don't. GQ does not condone committing crimes, busting out of jail, or eating fifty eggs in one hour, no matter how cool it makes you look in front of the other inmates. Ew! Is this how somebody got out because they like made themselves sick? No, I think it's just. A stupid thing oh. that people do. Oh, but I bet okay. people, I mean, people do make themselves sick on purpose. Absolutely. But like, the idea of eating, I'm going to fucking throw Yeah, it. we can't go there. Nope. If they're nope. deviled eggs, I feel like At, I could do yeah, that. Yeah, but I even could, that 50, is a stretch. 50, that's, 50 I, whole eggs means 100 halves. Like 100 oh, little deviled eggs. If it eggs. was 50 halves deviled eggs. I could do halves in an hour. I could do 20 halves of deviled yeah. eggs in an hour. Yeah, I would, which is only 10 eggs. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 50 eggs I don't would be think 100 I, halves. Realistically, I don't think I could do more I than that. I don't think I could do that. I can't. <laughs> Are there bacon yes. crumbles on top? Not even the bacon could save that. That is so fucking <laughs> yeah. gross. That's way too many fucking eggs. So like enough coriander? Yeah, paprika. <laughs> paprika. <laughs> Anyway, so nobody is condoning prison breaks, but, like, I don't personally give a shit. You do what you want. Um, I am 100% condoning prison breaks. (laughs) Get out. Go. If you can make it. It depends on what you did. Yeah. Let's not forget Ted Bundy escaped and then killed a bunch of co-eds. Yeah. Yeah, like, bummer, but. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. She's delusional with COVID. Moving on. So nothing this, Amanda says this episode counts. <laughs> no, it doesn't. We do not. We like GQ do not condone <laughs> eating fifty eggs, listening to Amanda, or breaking out of prison. Break up. Oh my, go. Oh my god. Run, baby, run. Yes. Baby, run. 
baby, run. You got this. Sick. Okay. So this article is based on an interview with Larry Levine, who's the founder of Wall Street Prison Consultants. Larry Gross. Levine spent 10 years in various prisons for things like narcotics trafficking and securities fraud, blah, blah, blah. So these days he gives advice to people who are heading to prison. Oh, okay. Quote, people call like me. how to get out. Uh, just in general, prison culture and whatever. Like how, like, yeah. How it's going to go down. Mm-hmm. Um, quote, people call me when they're fucked. I just unfuck things a little bit. Oh, Larry. Oh, Larry. Okay. I love that. And I want that on a t-shirt. So these are like <laughs> his steps, kind of. Step one, get a little sexy with the prison staff. Quote, this, yep. this shit happens See? all the time. I was right. Larry says the staff spends a substantial amount of time with the inmates and they get to know each other. Think of it like having a work husband or a work wife, except instead of spending eight hours a day with an attractive coworker, you're interacting with prisoners who are dying for human contact and a link to the outside world. The result can be sex, relationships, even marriage, or in some cases, assistance in breaking out of jail. Or rape or sexual assault. And yes. Yeah, we don't like and that manipulation. stuff. We're talking so about sexist. manipulation. Right. But we're talking currently about consensual manipulation. Okay. Okay. Consensual I didn't manipulation. Think I got That's this. not what I meant. Consensual <laughs> relations. <laughs> consensual manipulation. <laughs> Put this ring we're on all my there, baby. Yeah. This is from The Atlantic, quote, some prison workers strike up conversations with inmates about their families, for instance, or the routines they have to endure. In some cases, workers can even become the inmates' customers, since so many prisons have separate economies inside the walls in which employees can buy prisoner-made goods such as art. Oh, I have that. There's all sorts of commerce happening inside of prisons depending on, like, their size. Yeah. Quote, we think of prison guards and inmates as living in different worlds. There's a saying that prison staffs are doing time but only in eight-hour shifts. The guards Mm. are subjected to the same tensions, the same boredom. Hmm. So it is – they're in very similar situations, but the difference is staff can go home at the end of the day. Right. Yeah, it's their job. They're choosing to fucking be there. I have heard anecdotes of, like, staff having certain inmates, like, write poetry for their Mm -hmm. wives for their anniversary, you know, Mm -hmm. like, time-consuming shit that they can then give as gifts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also on this note, it isn't just guards who work in a prison. There are cafeteria workers, janitors, barbers, tutors, librarians, etc., with whom an inmate could start maybe a more casual relationship with rather than a, a guard themselves. Yep. Schofield One of the Im- fell in love with Tancredi. What? Yes, that, in pri- I know what that <laughs> reference is. In Prison Break, Michael Schofield, the never inmate, fell it. in love with the doctor, Sarah Tancredi. I never watched it. In my it. case, there How many is- times can you break out of prison? That was like eight <laughs> seasons long, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and Honestly, like you can break movies. out a lot. We'll get to Ugh. it. The, the, relationship one of the relationships in my case is between a prison employee who's not a guard mm-hmm. but then there were there was also a guard that was involved yeah. so there's mm-hmm. like yeah there's, there's a all lot kinds of, of folks coming in and out of there prisons are microcosms of society like there mm-hmm. are all sorts of elements that it's, it's it's its own economy lots it's, of contractors yeah exactly So a clever inmate might try to goad some personal information from an employee to use that to draw out empathy, establishing an emotional bond where it's easier to get them to do little favors for the inmate. 
mm-hmm. so that there's manipulation and it maybe an exchange of favors. And before long, the inmate might have enough on their side to blackmail the employee into continuing to help them, which mm. kind of forces them to risk more and more. I would give up so much personal information and get blackmailed immediately <laughs> if I worked in a prison. It would it's never not be a job allowed. for you. It is not Period. a job for you. Full fucking stop. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I would walk in and everyone in there would be like, that's the one who's going to get me out. That's of the weakest link. <laughs> that's the, yeah. That's the weak one. Yeah. Thousand percent. Targeted. Targeted. So, step two <laughs> to breaking out of prison. I just want to be liked by everyone in the prison. <laughs> I'm a Tinkerbell. <laughs> this is a popularity contest. And I'm winning. <laughs> uh. And it's going to be one of you. Boop, 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 boop. Okay. <laughs> Who can praise me the most? Go. <laughs> okay. So, step two to breaking out of prison procure digging tools. In 1903, bank burglar Peter James and three other inmates escaped through the sewer system Mm -mm. after James spent four years chipping away at the prison walls with pieces of smuggled tin. Pressure and time. (laughs) Makes diamonds. (laughs) I also would never, I just wouldn't be able to do anything involving the sewer system. I don't have the fortitude to chisel at a wall with a tin can for four years. I I could do the chiseling. Because I like little methodical projects. And if I have jack shit else to do, I will dig my way out with a spoon. Sure. But- if I know that I am digging towards crawling through a sewer. Absolutely not. Couldn't do it. Depends. No. Andy Dufresne would have a different story. I know. My case has like every single one of these. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. The only thing it's missing is a helicopter. <laughs> More recently, Oleg Top- Top- Topolov broke out of a Russian prison by digging a hole in his cell ceiling with a spoon. There we go. Ralph Bucky Phillips also escaped through the ceiling, in his case, using a can opener from the- Yeah, get booked. In the prison kitchen before he was captured near the New York-Pennsylvania state line. And side note, he later pleaded, quote, guilty as hell to his murder charges. (laughs) All right, respect for Bucky. Well, he's probably a monster. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he is. Murder charges. guilty as hell, like he said. Oh, my God. I like his honesty. Step three, cover your tracks. So we talked about dummies. I have that. Yeah, we talked about dummies. In 2007, two inmates at Union County Jail in New Jersey removed a cinder block from their cells and were gone for 20 hours before anybody noticed. And that was only because they covered the hole in their wall with like a pinup poster. Shawshank, baby. Shawshank. Shawshank inspired... So many. I mean, there are only so many methods of breaking out of prison, Mm -hmm. let's be honest. And I've covered literally all of them. Crafting skills can also be used to make weapons. Lorenzo Pollard fashioned nunchucks out of bed sheets and a chair. Yes. Yes, he did, honey. Which he used to fend off guards as he escaped from a prison in St. Louis. So uh, clearly any amount of time you can buy yourself before being discovered or like chase after is very precious. It's valuable. So buy yourself every second that you can. Mm -hmm. Step four, avoid the oh shit, what now moment. Mm -hmm. It actually takes very careful planning to stage a prison break and the subsequent run from the law. 
In prison, according to Levine, people were always keeping track of things like, like I said, the number of guards when trucks would enter the prison grounds and the exact times the staff would come by to count the prisoners. They would Mm -hmm. do this, like I said, even if they weren't seriously planning an escape because there isn't much else to do while they're locked up. Mm -hmm. So then it's usually the people who, with, with the longer sentences, who take the next step which is coordinating with other inmates, prison staff, or people on the outside. The key is to make sure the timing lines up. Smart escapees will do everything in their power to maximize the hours before the next body count or wait until the holidays when prison guards are working unfamiliar shifts. Smart. Oh, that's brilliant. Very people smart. are taking time off. Mm-hmm. You got fresh meat. Mm-hmm. You got the B team in there covering yeah. for the A team. Yeah. Exactly. JV. Exactly. Oh. JV. Levine says, you need to time it. It's kind of like an eclipse where everything kind of falls into place at once. So once you get out, you'll need transportation, food, Mm -hmm. Mm non-prison clothes, Mm -hmm. slash dry Mm -hmm. clothes if you were swimming at any point. Yeah, you'd have to think about the weather conditions outside. Yep. Oh, yeah. Money. You need to plan for somewhere to go. So mm-hmm. in like the mid, uh, I want to say this is like sometime in the 2000s, early 2000s, Kentucky inmate Robert Vick simply turned himself back into the prison after only uh-huh. one night of freedom because it was 18 degrees below zero and he, he didn't have die. anywhere to go. He was going to die. He just went back to the prison. He would have frozen to death. I yeah. would have done the same thing. I would have been like, I fucked up. Yeah. yeah. I fucked up. Didn't Shit. plan. <laughs> I'm going well. back. Yeah. Last, last but not least, step five, don't get caught. Technology and sturdier facilities have made it harder than ever to break out of prison. So as Kenyon was pondering earlier, there's only about one escape per 10,000 prisoners in the United States today. Okay, but when we say escape, do we mean just successfully made it out, but could have gotten caught after that, could have mm-hmm. died after that, whatever? I think just making it out in the first place. Yeah. Okay, okay. That sounds mm-hmm. accurate. Because, yeah, but now we like have there were fucking cameras everywhere. Shit. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah, the 70s? I mean, the 60s? The 70s. we have, like, you know. The best. Motion reactive lighting, right. motion sensors and surveillance cameras. Heat sensors. And, yeah, all this stuff. Night, mm-hmm. night vision. Well, mm-hmm. and there's just, like, tracking and surveillance everywhere you go. So if you use, like, a single piece of technology on the outside, right. it will probably be traceable. Right. Not to mention, it's like really hard now to live off the grid. Or if some, if like somebody on the outside sees you, mm-hmm. you know, acting suspiciously or wearing a prison jumpsuit, they have a cell phone. They can immediately yep. call it in. Right, and just the like the sharing of information now is so immediate and so vast that like they can put out a circulating. Bolo. Yep, circulating your picture in the newspaper in the '60s when it's like all blotchy and fucked up is not the same as like everyone on social media being like. Amanda broke out of prison. Mm-hmm. Right. Look for a blue hair the law. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here's her list of tattoos and birthmarks. Right. Yeah. The the public mm-hmm. knows almost everything about you. So too much. I don't I wouldn't recommend that you break out of prison. Or slash no. go to prison in the first place. Mm-mm. No. But there's I'll try to avoid it. There's also just the simple fact that like prisons themselves have like like reinforced steel and like automated mm. locks and like bulletproof glass and things like that. It's like the the buildings themselves are a lot more reinforced. Yeah, you can't dig through a wall to a sewer system like you used to. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. 
The good old days. So most of the escapes nowadays are people simply walking away from minimum security or transitional mm-hmm. facilities. Because mm-hmm. who's going to think twice about somebody in a uniform just casually walking? Confidence, you assume baby. they Confidence have the, is key. the right to be doing whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As compared to a person in a striped jumpsuit running through the woods. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Along with a high degree of difficulty there, like I said, there are repercussions to think about. If you get caught, you can get a brand new sentence, often around seven years, slapped on top of whatever you were already serving. Mm-hmm. And like I said, even if you have a life sentence, you still might have privileges, visitations, phone calls, et cetera, that can get taken away if you get caught. So it Plus is you're worth- probably brought to a whole new cell. You got to start that tunnel all over again. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So- and they're just going to add, like in my case, they just added time on top of yeah. a life sentence. Like they, they do that all the time. They don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're like, you're double going to die here. Yeah. <laughs> bay. So, I mean, step one, don't. End up in prison or jail in the Mm -hmm. first place. Step Mm -hmm. two, uh, depends on your circumstances whether I encourage you to escape. Yeah, call Larry Levine. Well, and to be fair, there are a lot of people in prison or jail who are there under circumstances outside of their own control. Mm -hmm. So, like, this is absolutely like, yes, don't kill anybody or like do anything super fucked up. But also, don't talk to the cops without a lawyer. Right, right. Never fucking talk to the cops, Mm -hmm. period. All right. Anyway, well, good that's advice. my segment. I hope you learned a lot. I learned so much valuable information mm-hmm. that I will absolutely put into practice. I cannot wait. Prepped you for your future. My inevitable future. Happy to do this for you. Thank you. Let's hear a quick word from our sponsors and then get to my guy who just liked to use all the techniques available to him. I personally hate shopping in an actual brick and mortar store. I hate the like getting undressed in the dressing room and mm-hmm. the lighting and and like getting sweaty and then you're sometimes you're bare you're not wearing socks and your bare feet are on the floor. And like you don't know how many other people have tried on that particular thing in that dressing room and it's just not it's not very hospitable. No. It's also very time consuming. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you're like us and you absolutely hate leaving your house, why not let Stitch Fix do all of that work for you so you can spend more time doing the things you love, such as not leaving your house? Yeah. I've had such good luck with Stitch Fix. Like, Same. I was a little bit... I found jeans. I know. I was like a little bit skeptical because, you know, I've ordered clothes myself individually online and have had to deal with like lots of returns and things not fitting, whatever. And I honestly have never had that problem with Stitch Fix. Like they just get it. You got a personal shopper. Yeah. So it's really easy and fun to get started. First, you take a few minutes to set up your Stitch Fix style profile. It's really fun because it feels like you're share from clueless like totally approving and disapproving looks and then you answer (laughs) a few questions about what you like to wear what you don't and how open you are to trying new styles mine was like i like monochromatic black and leggings please and thank you like leggings and loose fitting tops (laughs) that'd be great thanks Then Stitch Fix's expert stylist will go to work fighting items exclusively for you. Every piece is handpicked for you and is unique to your size, style, and in your budget, making it the best way to discover clothes that make you look and feel your best. And when we say the, like, 
your unique to your size. They actually like pay attention to the size of your body, not just like mm-hmm. the number on a tag. I told my stylist that I have like sort of a bigger waist but really skinny legs. Mm-hmm. And they found a brand of denim jeans that kind of fit that and I I can wear jeans again. Yeah, it's great. They, like, really pay attention to your body size and shape and not just, like, a number that is different in every different store. Mm -hmm. So Stitch Fix will send you five pieces to try on at home, and you keep what you love, and you send back what you don't. Shipping, returns, exchanges are all easy and free. Plus, there is no subscription required. So you can just try it once, or if you love it, which you will, you can set up automatic deliveries. There are no hidden fees ever. Those like automatic deliveries can be like tailored to your schedule. It's just really great. So sign up for Stitch Fix and get the season's latest pieces for women, men, and kids, and everybody in between, and you're going to love it. So sign up today at stitchfix.com slash gals, G-A-L-S, to get 20 bucks off your first purchase. That's stitchfix.com slash gals to get $20 off your first purchase. Limited time offer. Purchase within two days of sign up and treat your wardrobe. Treat it. Are you, like us, feeling a little anxious, maybe overwhelmed, life feeling a little like kind of a lot <laughs> lately? Sometimes these feelings can make it hard for us to like shift gears and get in the mood, if you know what we're saying. But with Dipsy, you can focus just on what makes you feel good. Yeah, reality's not always that fun. Mm-hmm. So uh, I like I like an excuse to sort of indulge and just like separate, mm-hmm. you know? And Dipsy is amazing for that. So Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for everyone, honestly. Mm-hmm. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes. I love a soundscape. Mm-hmm. And characters. No matter who you're into or what turns you on, you can find stories about that intriguing coworker with a British accent. Mm-hmm. Your work husband mm-hmm. or wife or other. Mm-hmm. Or hooking up with your hot yoga instructor. Just, you know. Your hot yoga or just the yoga instructor who is hot. Or both. Or both. Hear the sexy voices of Sarunas J. Jackson, ER Fightmaster, hi, Luke Cook, and many others in stories like you've have never heard before. These are immersive. Like these are they're very well really written. Good. They're they're <laughs> just well written. I don't know how they else work. to say it. They work. <laughs> yeah. Dipsy offers new content that is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again and again and again, (laughs) you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy also has sleep stories. Who doesn't need a sleep story? Mm -hmm. They have wellness sessions and now they also offer written stories in case you need to like be quiet. Yeah. If you're like commuting or something and you forgot your headphones. Yeah, or like if your partner is slumbering peacefully next to yeah. you. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Dipsy is your <laughs> Dipsy is your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, or heat things up with a partner. So for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash gals. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dot com slash 
gals, G-A-L-S, dipsystories.com slash gals, and treat yourself. Mm, treat you. Okay, so are we ready for my case? Yes, ma'am. Usually not. Hit me with it. Let's break out of this ball pit. I don't know. I'm tired. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to be butchering a lot of Polish names in this. Perfect. I, Good. Polish is hard, man. It's a lot mm-hmm. of consonants. I have just no experience or, or context for pronouncing it, so I'm doing my best. Okay. Everything is a ch sound. Right. Everything is dashed. Yeah. <laughs> borscht. Dush. Everything is borscht. Everything is borscht. <laughs> <laughs> this one I Googled. Sajislav, that's his first name. Sajislav okay. Najmrodsky. Tried to Google that one, couldn't find a guide. Can we just call him Saji? Saji. Sajislav. I practiced. Sajislav. Sajislav. Was born on August 20th, 1954 in... <laughs> South Central Poland, a small <laughs> village. Love. You're Couldn't even it. find it on the map. You're crushing it. <laughs> there isn't even a screenshot for of me a to map. Use. <laughs> That's how you know it's bleak. Mm. <laughs> well, Polish, pretty bleak. He was one of four brothers. The boy's father, Vladislav, was mostly not in the picture, so they were raised primarily by their mother, Sabina. When young Sajislav was in fifth grade, he had a near-death experience. He almost drowned while swimming in a reservoir. It was, like, very traumatic. So the lasting trauma from this accident caused him to develop a lisp. And then from that, he was fucking mercilessly mocked and bullied More trauma. By, by his classmates because he had a lisp. Okay. Yeah. Not a great start. Yeah. I didn't know trauma could cause a lisp. There are all kinds of speech impediments and yeah. and, thing, and speech delays that could be caused by trauma. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Some people like just like, um, what's what's the very famous book with the girl who doesn't speak for like six years or something after? Mm. Little Voice? No. No. I Justin remember. Bieber. Okay, uh, isn't it by Toni Morrison? I, I don't know, honey. Whatever. If it's not about, <laughs> uh, honestly, Louis I does she not speak for a long time? I think she does. Whatever. I'll it. It doesn't. Okay, so not great. He's bullied. He has this lisp. The lisp actually stays with him through his whole life. Hmm. So his mother decides to withdraw him from school to like spare him from this bullying that just keeps escalating. He eventually graduates from an auto mechanics vocational school. Mm-hmm. And then after that, he is drafted into the military at age 19. So remember, it's Poland. Now we're in the late 60s, early 70s. It's not technically in the Soviet Union, but it's definitely aligned and Soviet Affected by. Right. Yeah. It's not great. Not great. Yeah. So he distinguished himself in the military through his physical fitness, and he especially excelled at sprinting and the mundane sport of grenade throwing. Oh, my word. (laughs) That was like in his file that he was good at grenade throwing. Lock. Well, it's like shot put. Yeah. 
Wow. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So cool. there you go. There are photos of him on the drive that will be on the blog if you want to see his Cash. Cool. physical Cash. fitness. And he was given an offer to extend his military service by joining the special forces. So, like, he did really well as just, like, drafted into the military and they wanted him to make a career out of it. But he declined. Okay. So, instead, he returned home and found a job at an auto repair shop. And then after that, he got married. So, you'd think, okay, he's settling down. Yeah, things are going okay. Little civilian life. However, his exit from the military was soon followed by a descent into criminality. Oh, dear. Good. So at first, he was arrested for beating up a police officer in a bar and sentenced to 18 months in prison. Now, this one, I feel like, probably was an accident. He insisted that he'd just been defending himself from a drunk guy in a bar who started the fight, and he Mm. didn't know that that guy was a police officer which I feel like is very possible. But either way, he gets 18 months in prison. It doesn't last long, the going to prison. While he's being transported by train along with some other prisoners to the facility, he charms two police officers guarding him and his fellow inmates, and he gets Mm -hmm. them to remove all of their handcuffs while they're on this moving train. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and drink some, wow. drink some beer with them. Basically have a little party in their train compartment. Nice. Mm-hmm. Guards Amanda and would be prisoners. Able to do that. That's an Amanda move. I am here move. for this. Yep. <laughs> yeah. This would be my one of my strategies. <laughs> so eventually the two officers fell asleep or possibly passed out drunk. <laughs> and Sujislav jumped out of the window of the slow moving train and then fled on foot. Oh, so he never amazing. even made it to... His first prison time. Oh, poor guy. Poor, poor guy. guy. He escaped. He didn't make, I know. I want him to make it. He to didn't prison? make it to prison. He escaped before he got to prison. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> when you, now I get it. Poor guy. Poor guy. Okay, good Successfully for him. escaping. She's good got COVID. Him. We're disregarding everything. Everything when you said he didn't even make it, it had connotations that he didn't even make it to the state, bad connotations to to the state, right? (laughs) So, when authorities realized he was missing, like whenever those guards woke up, and it doesn't sound like the other prisoners escaped with him, so maybe they also fell asleep or passed out. I'm not sure, or he just slammed the window on their little fingers and sprinted (laughs) off without him. When you're in a moving vehicle and you're not driving, Mm -hmm. slumber can come quite easily for some of us. That is true. Also, when you're escaping prison, anything goes. I'm sorry. I'm not, I don't feel bad for these people. Anything goes. So authorities realize he's missing from this train (laughs) and they send other authorities to his house to question his wife about his whereabouts, but she claims that she didn't know anything. And this was untrue because he was already back in the neighborhood hiding out at a friend's house nearby. Uh oh. <laughs> so, uh oh, spaghetti. So soon after this escape, Sajislav reached out to a friend that he had made in the military, whom he knew to be involved in the smuggling of illicit goods. So again, it's a communist country. There's a lot of banned shit and shit that can't get brought in or. It's really expensive, and so he gets in on this black market shit. Mm -hmm. The two friends hatched a plan to work together. 
So Sujislav would distract police patrols by creating some kind of diversion, usually like driving recklessly or something to like get their attention and like draw the heat on him. Mm -hmm. And then this would allow his friend to drive trucks of smuggled items through that area undetected. Okay. Okay. Which like also extremely dangerous and reckless considering that you're a wanted man. Yeah. Right. You escaped You're from prison. Very much present in yeah, this ruse. This is like very public facing ruse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So th- I know. I'll go on television. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna draw the police's attention so hide you can commit sight. crimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's gonna be great. What are you waiting for? Come get me. <laughs> So the pair soon expanded their operation. They organized a crew of criminals that successfully robbed over 70 Puix stores. Is that like a gross? That was like grocery chain? So not quite. So Puix. I know it kind of we think of Publix, but it's Mm -hmm. not. So Puix was a chain of and I don't know if I'm saying that right. Was a chain of stores founded in 1972 that accepted payment in only U.S. dollars or other like hard foreign currencies. Okay, they didn't. Their economy was so volatile, or what? Because the Polish currency, the zloty, was like so unstable, shitty, and unstable that weird. So. These stores were created by the Polish government in an attempt to inject some hard currency into the economy. They, like, wanted to get those foreign dollars any way they could. Right. So they allowed these stores. And these were places where people could get luxury or foreign goods. And by luxury, we mean, like, toilet paper, (laughs) Kleenex, (laughs) blue jeans. Oh, blue jeans, though. Mm -hmm. Why does this remind me of... um Dwight Schrute talking about how coddled the human asshole is in modern, <laughs> in modern America. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, speaking of blue jeans in the USSR, my dad and his brother went over there like in the 70s mm-hmm. with a whole huge box of Levi's with the intent of selling them for like astronomical prices to fund yes. their whole trip around Europe. Incredible. But as yeah. soon as they got there, like, the month before, like, Levi's had, like, opened a factory right across the border. Like, nobody was hard up for denim. <laughs> <laughs> so they were, they just had they just 30 for, denim. like, you know, 40 bucks a pop. Just <laughs> staggered around Europe, like, doing odd jobs to make up for Oh my god! <laughs> they just didn't quite nail the timing. Mm, just right. That, they were just a little short. <laughs> Pre-internet, clearly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So the these are these stores. They they sold like luxury or foreign goods, things that were difficult to come by, expensive, whatever, and you could only use this foreign currency to buy it there. Okay. Also, like the prices are high for these things. Mm -hmm. So the average Polish citizen couldn't shop at Puex. It was like just the the wealthy elites. Right. People who had access to this. Right. Other currency. It's like a Tiffany store. Yeah. So the difficulty of accessing the goods that were sold there made these stores an obvious target for theft and resale on the black market because that's these stores had all the good shit. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So the MO of Sajislav's gang was to carefully cut a hole in one of the store's windows after hours, and then an associate would cover it with a poster so that nobody from the outside could tell that they had cut this hole. Mm. So they would have like, you know, like a sales poster, you know, 30% right. off or whatever. So many a posters. A situation. Yeah. 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 Like, like I said, it. there aren't really that many ways to cover this shit up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then once they were inside, they stole like alcohol, chocolate, toys, blue jeans, and just stuff that they could like easily carry and then sell on the black market. They didn't really steal like big electronics or things that would necessarily like draw a lot of attention. Right. So the string of robberies carried out by Sajislav and his crew became the subject of widespread media coverage. He began living large, drawing more attention to himself. Mm-hmm. He traveled This is always the fucking downfall of mm-hmm. these turds. Mm-hmm. Just Take some advice chill. from good fellas. Don't buy the fur coats. Mm-hmm. Fucking calm down. Mm-hmm. He traveled around Poland renting hotel rooms, like paying in cash, you know, attending parties at fancy nightclubs, wearing expensive suits with like a gold watch and a gold chain around his neck. And there's just like in every picture he's wearing like a black shirt or black turtleneck leather jacket and this like gold necklace. Mm-hmm. He's cash. In- He's very... In, he's got a uniform. Inconspicuous. He's very Polish mafia looking. <laughs> <laughs> he's putting it all out there. Yeah. He's so putting it all out there. <laughs> he began going by the pseudonym Slajik. Slajlik. Slajlik. Got it. Which is the Polish word for shish kebab, which was his favorite food. Yum. Okay. So I don't, that, but old shish kebab. Yum. Here for that. And then also his pronunciation of this word, much like my pronunciation of this <laughs> word, was, was terrible. Was considered amusing to others because he still had his lisp. So he kind oh. of like got himself in on the joke about his lisp. As an adult, does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So he, like, intentionally chose a nickname that would make it so that he, like, owned it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. kind of cool, I guess. Like reclaiming. Yeah. Yeah. So after a lengthy stretch successfully operating his theft and smuggling ring, Sajislav was finally arrested for the second time in 1980. Great year. This time, knowing about his previous escape, the police took extra precautions. So no more beer parties on the train. No more beer parties. Shouldn't have happened in the first place, but yeah. Sajislav was brought to jail in a prisoner transport vehicle, which was then backed all the way up to the building's doors, giving him as little opportunity as possible to escape. So they literally were like, we are hand delivering you into this building. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) However, he had already managed to smuggle out a letter telling his associates where he was going to be held. Like he he found out during the trial or whatever where he was going to be brought to, which Uh apparently they normally kept quiet. On the down low, yeah. Yeah. Which makes sense. And he also had somehow gotten access to blueprints of the prison building. 
someone he he, <laughs> he went down help. on somebody for those. Well, he yeah. had a ton of money. Yeah, and the money that he had was hard currency. Right, right, right. Oh yeah, in in an already like black market volatile yeah. economy. Okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he had what he needed to bribe the right people to get the information that he needed. Totally. So his criminal gang soon showed up and sawed off the window bars enough that he could slip out and escape by motorcycle. And with, with his little chain and leather jacket. I'm picturing. I Cute. <laughs> Big fan. So following this second escape, Sigislav shifted his criminal focus, turning his attention to car theft. So they they figured that they're probably going to be increased security and more eyes on all these Puex stores now that, yeah. you know, it's become it's like such they're, a thing. They're on to us, yeah. So they had to switch. Well, for good damn reason. Right. It's, yeah. so, it's really weird that these stores only accept these kinds of, like, stable currencies. Like, I don't know. That just seems, well, that seems weird to me. It's the government trying to get... In those currencies in the country. Yeah, I I mm. get it, but it I don't know. It seems like cheating or like just we like it just seems weird. It seems like you're leaving the door open for a lot of corruption, which shocker is happening. Mm-hmm. One time when Zach and I were in Madagascar trying desperately to get out because it was a lot. <laughs> um <laughs> Your mm-hmm. poor trip to Madagascar. That was rough, you guys. <laughs> I was unprepared for how rough that was. <laughs> but we were at the airport leaving, and it was really fucking hot, and I needed a bottle of water. Mm-hmm. And there was, like, a little kiosk or whatever, and we had a little bit of whatever their currency is. I can't remember now. The the local currency. Mm-hmm. So Zach went Mollers. to, like, <laughs> Madagascarin dollars, I don't know. Mollers. Rupees, whatever. <laughs> you have to actually trade a molar for water. A molar for a molar. He went up to buy it and they were like, oh no, we don't accept that. And Zach was mm. like, it's your country's currency. <laughs> it's, it's y'all's money. Did you already get a bunch of money like converted? We had, you know, we'd been there for a week or whatever. We had like a little bit left. <laughs> and we wanted to buy a bottle of water with it. So other sure. people have taken had taken that money before. Yeah. It's their it's their currency, <laughs> their currency. Their country. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, no, we don't t- we don't take that here at the airport. I love it. <laughs> and, and so then he was like, Well, we also have like South African Rand, mm-hmm. which is accepted like kind of weirdly in a few different countries around Africa because it's so easily converted right and they were like no we we, and whatever and then they go we only accept euros what okay in madagascar at the airport at the airport Hmm. and he was like we don't have euros like why would we have we intentionally didn't get them we live (laughs) 20 minutes away why the fuck (laughs) would we have euros This is an island off of Southern Africa. Why would you take euros? (laughs) I love it. And so when the guy wasn't looking, Zach stole a bottle of water for me. (gasps) (laughs) Zach. I mean, I probably would have done this. If I was thirsty, it's water. Yeah. I'm turning you in. There you go. Mm. 
What's Wanted the statute of limitations on water theft? Well, good thing you know how to break out of prison now because you're about to be in a Madagascar prison. Yep. Dear yep. God, no. Okay. <laughs> so they're, they're, car, they're car thieves now. Okay. The gang. Okay. Got Switching it. gears. See what I did there? <laughs> Cram it. Changing lanes. <laughs> Couldn't stay in his own lane. Cram it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Hope he doesn't crash and burn. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Actually, that's that's in poor taste when we get to the end of my case. Okay. All right. Oh, God. But let's put on the brakes here. <laughs> pump, pump the brakes. <laughs> pump the brakes. <laughs> We're steering ourselves in the wrong direction. Okay. So. I, I'm not well. Over the <sighs> next two years, he and his gang stole over 100 FSO Polonaise cars. And this is the only vehicle model that they took because they like figured out a way to break into these cars specifically. Okay. There's a picture on the drive of the car. It just looks like a very Soviet Fancy. 80s oh. car. Fancy. Okay. Fancy. <laughs> oh, I like it. Yeah, it's cute. It's still there. Yeah. She's cute. So just like with their other robberies, the crew developed a set method for stealing cars. They would peel the seals off of the back window, carefully remove the glass, and then crawl inside and hotwire the car and then reattach the back windshield so that, you know, you're not like driving around with a car with a broken windshield and drawing attention to yourself. Sure. Mm-hmm. Just That's just good Backwards. Business. They went in through the back door. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. They would also break into local town halls and steal blank documents and stamps that they could use to falsify documentation for Again, the stolen the vehicles. Just go to a U.S. bank ATM, people. By stamps, in I think Poland, they mean... In the 80s. I think they mean like a DMV, like oh. a... <laughs> Oh, like, like a, a government agency stamp. Yeah. yeah. Not Got like it. a forever stamp. They would, yeah, not like a postage stamp, <laughs> like an ink. You don't know. I don't know. Car documents, <laughs> car title documents. Car blank, documents. Blank yeah. car documents that they could falsify. If Got I it. could pay my registration fees with a forever stamp, that would be great. Sometimes they would sell these complete cars at auction, and other times they would disassemble them and sell them for parts. So it just kind of depended. Okay. The Polish government formed a special civilians militia specifically dedicated to catching Sajislav. Yeah, no, it sounds horrible. That seems like a bad Are they well regulated? (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) They only accept the euro. (laughs) This was given a super secret, impossible to crack code name, Polonez, which was the name, <laughs> which was the brand of the car that they would steal. Fabulous. I love it. So Sujislav managed uh, several very close escapes from this militia group that were trying to catch him. But finally, in March of 1983, he was caught in a car chase outside of Warsaw. Mm. Then, while being interrogated by a militia officer, Sajislav waited for an opening, then sprang into action, knocking the man down using his handcuffed hands, (gasps) stealing the key to the handcuffs off the guy, (gasps) as well as the ID card from the officer's pocket. Yes. Honey. Yes, yes, yes. Go, go, go. He then simply. intense. All just like in hand-to-hand combat. This is like some Ocean's Eleven shit. Yeah. 
Wow. He then simply waltzed out of the building, flashing the ID card to the officer guarding the exit. Incredible. Confidence. I work here. Yeah, and he wasn't in, like, prison clothes yet because he had just been... Picked up. Picked up. Yeah. So that's escape number three. Nice. He became one of the most wanted men in Poland at this point, and there were constant news stories about him and about this militia's hunt for him. And during this period on the lam, he continued to live large in his own way by divorcing his wife and dating a 24-year-old. Like you do. And then using, like, a stash of money that he had somewhere, purchased a villa for her near He's Warsaw. He's going full Leo DiCaprio on this whole situation. cover story. <laughs> I also feel like the <laughs> very public-facing, like, sensational media could backfire. Because if there are people that are, like, into it and sort of, like, revere this guy... For what he's doing. Literally he, my next sentence. No way. I'm not I'm not actually I following know. along with you, I, I swear. Know. So he became something of a Robin Hood figure in Poland. Mm-hmm. People the, are gonna protect him. Yeah. There was a large amount of public sympathy for him because he was perceived as a person who didn't engage in like violence to commit his crimes. You know, he didn't kill cars, anybody. Baby. Yeah, he just hit a couple people with his handcuffed fists a couple times. Stealing stamps. It's a victimless crime. Also, the public, the general public, kind of did see these as victimless crimes because he either stole national property or, like, luxury goods Mm -hmm. that most people could never afford. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they're like, fuck the system, whatever. Who cares? He's stealing from rich people or from people that, like, got rich because they were corrupt. The people I'm harming could just buy a different car. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a lot of, like, public sympathy and, like, rooting for him. I love it. But within a year of his third escape, Sajislav was once again caught and imprisoned. He actually actually made it to the prison this time. In November of 1987, he was convicted and sentenced to 15 years for his previous crimes. He was incarcerated in (laughs) Poland. (laughs) Poland. (laughs) Poland. (laughs) Poland, where his mother lived. (laughs) Too many consonants, honestly. (laughs) Too many (laughs) And he's still very tight with his mom. So he begins corresponding regularly with his mom, who lives like near this prison, about how he wants to escape and different ideas for escaping. His idea for escaping vision board. (laughs) His Pinterest board was stacked. Full of fruit grenades. Friggin' full. Various So many avocado grenade toasts. (sighs) So she reached out to his associates, his like criminal gang or just, you know, people that he knew. They all came together and they came up with a plan to dig a tunnel from the basement of a nearby school to the yard where the prisoners were allowed to exercise. So he didn't even have to dig his own tunnel. They dug it for him. Outsource that shit. Yeah, (laughs) let's go. That's just good business. Think smarter, not harder. That's right. So the tunnel only took about three months to complete because, again, like, (laughs) they're on the outside. You know, they can just, like, dig through the night. Yeah. They can get, like, an excavator. Yeah. Like, 
<laughs> and his mom, Sabina, wrote letters to her son with regular updates on their progress, I'm assuming in some kind of code. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, probably. It was also widely believed that Sabina collaborated with someone who worked inside the prison to make sure that the tunnel's entrance to the prison yard would remain undetected. And it was hidden by like a thin layer of mesh covered with earth and dirt and grass. Transvaginal mesh? Oh. Transvaginal mesh. Okay. The yeah. wor- arguably the worst mesh. <laughs> it's on the bottom of my list. Not even arguable. Like actually the worst mesh go ahead (laughs) so when the tunnel was finished and the opportunity presented itself Sojislav jumped onto the mesh hard enough to crash through and then ran through the tunnel so that's how like big the tunnel was he wasn't like he could stand up and run yeah wow they were he outsourced good labor for that tunnel yeah Right? I can't yeah. even get someone to fix my fucking chimneys. I can barely dig deep enough and that's to legal. properly plant things in my yard. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get don't, I don't really care. tired. So he ran through the tunnel and escaped on a waiting motorcycle. Amazing. Oh, lots of motorcycles. Sexy. I love how many motorcycles. Mm-hmm. He even left a cheeky letter behind in his cell thanking <gasps> the prison's warden for his hospitality. Oh, my God, yes. Oh, wow. You got some nads on you. <laughs> my so, guys left a letter, but I didn't include it because it's racist. <laughs> so. Okay, great. Not you all win letters this round. are well, created equal. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> that, that letter. My letter's cheeky and cute. <laughs> so... Sijislav was soon back to his old criminal ways, but perhaps with even less caution than he had before. He Uh threw it to the wind, baby. In November of 1989, he crashed a car that he had stolen three days earlier into a lamp post in Krakow. Yes, he did. Uh Uh-oh. Yes, he did. How drunk was he? Unsurprisingly, he had a BAC of (laughs) 0.21 at the time. (laughs) Bubba, Shuggy. Soup's drunk. (laughs) Yeah. That's real drunk. As drunk as a Russian grave digger. Yeah. Shuggy, no. (laughs) Shug. Despite this level of drunkenness, he managed to stumble away from the scene of the crash on foot, but was soon captured by militia officers. Oh. He was carrying a fake ID card at the time, but they managed to identify him with a fingerprint check. So fucking technology letting him down. Mm -hmm. And so he's arrested again. This time he's sentenced to 20 years in prison for his various robberies and seven years for his escapes. Hmm. While in prison, he wrote a volume of poetry entitled... (laughs) Poland. (laughs) Which translates to something like calculate the truth. Calculate this bitch. Mm. Calculate these nuts. These nuts. (laughs) One sample poem entitled Loneliness reads, and I'm assuming this sounds better in Polish because it doesn't sound great in English. (laughs) Not soup's great. Maybe I will perish from the arena forever. My vision goes blank in a gloomy shadow. I had an unfaithful friend. Today I am in silence. Yeah, he was Drama in his feels. Yeah. Uplifting. 
Drama king. Drama king. Okay, well, I wrote some dumb shit in my middle school journals, but you don't see me sharing it. (laughs) Publishing it. (laughs) That's embarrassing for you, but okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So this book was accepted by a publisher. Oh, of course. Probably just because he's like so famous. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Donald Trump wrote a book. Right. Right. That guy can't even read. So, (laughs) (laughs) yesterday is a really hard word for him. Mm, Mm. (laughs) Kofifi. Let us never forget. Yesterday. So this poetry book sold 7,000 copies, but he didn't get any money from the sales because he wasn't allowed to. He's a fucking, yeah, prisoner. So then in November of 1994, in response to a letter from Sajislav pleading his case, Poland's president pardoned him as a re-socialized person. Oh, my God. He's better. He's better now. Yeah. Fourth time's a charm. He's just fucking charming as hell. People just like him. Poems. So in response, Sujislav promised to make a fresh start and to focus on business or farming instead of crime. He's going to be a whole new man, the whole mm-hmm. thing. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. But this, I believe it. aren't we all, would not come to pass. Uh-oh. What? As, as one Polish <laughs> news source put it simply, quote, in the wild, he did not do well. Uh-oh. <laughs> that was very gentle. Yeah. <laughs> so this part is really sad. Less than a year after his release in August of 1995, Sajislav died in a car crash. He had been recklessly driving a stolen BMW that had fake registration plates, and he skidded out and crashed head on into a truck. Applied directly to the forehead? Traveling oh, no. in the opposite direction. But it gets even more sad. So really tragically, he had passengers in the car with him. That's my next question. It's one thing to kill yourself because you're a fucking dumbass. Taking down other people is inexcusable. And these passengers were children. No. So they were. Why did you do that to those kids? I didn't. I was already like. Toward the end of my case, and suddenly there's this really sad note. I couldn't help it. Yeah, did he harm you in some way? So, the two children are a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old boy, and they're the sons of one of his friends, and he just, like, happened to have them in the car with him. Good Lord. And so, yeah, everybody died in the crash, and he... It was found to have a fake ID on him when he died. Of course, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. him. He's driving a stolen car. He's got a fake ID. Oh, right. But they were able to confirm his identity because the father of the two boys. Identified? Yeah, admitted. Uh, and was- oh, God. So today, Sojislav lives on in legend as one of Poland's most notorious criminals. In 2021, the getaway king was a lightly fictionalized narrative of his escapades and it premiered at the New Horizons Film Festival in Poland. So he's very, still very well known. Very sad end. Yeah. I was really rooting for him till he went down at a burning crash with a bunch of kids. Probably drunk. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, don't drive drunk, guys. Break out of prison (sighs) as much as you want by, you know, charming guards and whatever. Danger other people. 
Yep. But but don't drive drunk. Oh God! I wish it hadn't ended like that. I know. Well, it was good till the end, which really yep. falls. That's in. how they tell you to tell stories. Make sure right. the end is a downer. Is, is a yep. real bummer. It's a real yeah. mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, that's that's comedy. <laughs> that's comedy, <laughs> folks. The punchline is supposed course. to make you Kill sad. Them all, of course. <laughs> Sad and contemplative. Make you sad. <laughs> I I get oh it. Oh my god! I yeah, understand no. my job. Comedy, You're a master comedy of your craft. <laughs> comedy master Kenyon Lay over here. Really get him. And at that the is end. why you don't drive drunk, kids. Next. Wow. Next. <laughs> You're the worst. <laughs> I have to take a break for my mental health. Let's do it. We'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> Care of believes that you deserve to feel your best this summer and all the time. From getting outside to enjoying your favorite seasonal dishes to taking hot a dogs mental count? break. That's yes, a seasonal dish. Hot dogs are absolutely a seasonal dish. <laughs> also, uh, taking a mental break. Mm-hmm. Yes, please. Every day. Everyone needs that. Care of is here to help you take care of yourself all summer long. Absolutely. So Care of is a subscription service that ships high quality, personalized vitamins, supplements, and powders conveniently to your door every month. Basically, you just take a short but very in-depth and like well thought out quiz about your lifestyle, your health goals, and then they come up with a personalized recommendation for you. And it takes all of the guesswork out of what supplements are best suited for you. And also like sometimes certain supplements and vitamins shouldn't be taken in conjunction with other ones. And like they have thought of that for you. You know, they're Mm -hmm. not going to it's not going to be redundant what you end up Mm -hmm. taking. I love care of. I'm a big vitamins gal and I really are. I believe just pills in general. Yeah. I like the rattle of, (laughs) of some pills and vitamins. So yeah, Uh, it's soothing to me. Um, (laughs) but I, you know, I was already taking a lot of different vitamins before I discovered care of, and then I took their quiz and found some others that I was excited to try and that I've really liked taking. So yeah, it's great. Check it out. And they, I also love that they tell you exactly what the vitamin is, what it's used for, like mm-hmm. kind of the background of it. Yeah, they send it's, like little information packets with your vitamins mm-hmm. so you know what it is you're taking. It's very transparent, very informational. There's a I booklet. I really like it. I love a booklet. So for 50% off your first Care Of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code GALS50, gals five zero. One more time for 50% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter code GALS50 and treat your health. Treat it. So listeners of this show, especially folks that have gone to see any live shows, know that I have a lot of hair. A lot. A lot of hair. And I try to take good care of it. And sometimes that means that I have like been a little too experimental Finding like <laughs> hair treatments on Pinterest <laughs> that involve like foods that should not go on your head but in your mouth. 
Like, but also like you've showered at my house and you have a lot of hair and you lose a lot of hair. I do. Yeah. My hair comes and goes. My hair has a life mm-hmm. of its own. So mm-hmm. if you are tired of like all of those ineffective and like goopy homemade DIY Tick- hair, <laughs> TikTok hair treatments, <laughs> and you are hungry to try something that actually works, give Vegamore a try. I am so glad I did. I love Vegamore. It smells so good. First of yeah. all. So Vegamore has literally transformed my hair. Their clean and vegan approach to hair health uses smart botanicals that promote visibly thicker, fuller, longer looking hair. Not that Kenyan needs thicker or fuller hair, but I certainly do. Well, we have and very has- different hair needs, but we both really love Vegamore for different reasons. Absolutely. I mean, it just... Vegamore treats like a the whole gamut of your possible hair issues. So with help from Vegamore, uh, get healthy, beautiful looking hair without the use of harmful chemicals. All of their products are cruelty free. Love that. And they never contain potentially harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones. It's just a clean, straightforward, effective hair treatment system. So Vegamore has something for everyone looking to improve their hair health. The Grow Revitalizing Shampoo and Conditioner Kit works together to create visibly thicker hair and improve hair from the roots. So you just massage the shampoo into your scalp for 60 seconds, and then you follow up with their conditioner on the lengths and the ends. It is as simple as that. A good friend of mine is my hairstylist, and I normally like wear my hair up in the summertime, so you can't really tell. But recently, I met up with him and I had my hair down. I had used all of my Vegamore products and he was like, oh my God, did you just go get your hair done? Like kind of accusing me of like cheating on him. I'm like, no, I literally just washed it at home. I used all of the Vegamore like accoutrement and it looked so good. Yes. Having Vegamore as my go-to shampoo and conditioner is a game changer for my overall hair health. It feels better. It looks better. More voluminous. It smells exquisite. Yes. It also comes with um, this little, like, rubber brush that you use to, like, kind of massage in mm. the different products. And it's just like a little a little massage for your head. I love it. So with Vegamore, there is no risk when trying because they have a 90-day money-back guarantee. But with 91% of customers saying that they saw visibly thicker hair with Vegamore in just three months, you're just not going to want to run out. They also have a thing for um, like eyelash growth, which I use and love. And I also oh, put an eyebrow. Yeah, and I also put it in my Brows my bald spot that I gave myself from stress scratching my head. So it's fine. Nice. Whatever. Give your hair exactly what it's been craving with Vegamore. Go to vegamore.com slash gals, G-A-L-S, and use that code gals to save 20% on your first order. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash gals, code gals, and treat your hair. Treat it. All right, are we ready for my case? Never. Woo! <laughs> How many kids I... die? <laughs> um, don't, no, no, I don't think. D- 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 just... I don't think any kids die. Oh, good. I do have the fan pick case this week. Oh, so good. it's sad. And let me tell you. <laughs> This case has everything. Why do you guys do this to us? <laughs> no, I mean, it's not like what happens here is great, but it's pretty good. Oh, okay. okay. This case has murder, love in lockdown, 
weed, moonshine, Benicio Del Toro, and Patricia Arquette. But Ooh, Patricia. Patricia. Patricia Arquette. There's a lot. <laughs> Peanut Arquette. Peanut. Peanut. <laughs> Peanut. There's a lot going on here. And because of the format of the show, I cannot cover every single detail because it's literally a mini series. <laughs> and a really thick book. It's so thick. So for the interest of me being able to follow all of this, I'm going to focus on our ringleader, convicted murderer, Richard Matt. Yes. Okay. I don't Less. know what this even is. Yeah. Okay. It'll, well, we it'll had, become clear. I mean, it will, but also there was another case in, in the news really recently that's really similar, but it's not this case. Okay. So it's like, it's happened before. Cowboy, take me away. Richard was born and raised in ups, upstate New York, just outside of Buffalo. And Richard was a raw piece of work from the beginning. Yeah. Probably because his dad was also a piece of work mm-hmm. and an abusive piece of shit. Mm-hmm. He never met a hard day's work in his life, lol dicky. And his tendency to cut corners landed him in and out of jail constantly. Mm-hmm. And he loved to escape or weasel his way out through trickery when he would end up in jail. So this is a quote from Wikipedia. Quote, in June 1986, <laughs> he climbed a fence to escape from the Erie County Correctional Facility where he was serving a one-year sentence for assault. According to retired Tonawanda policeman David Bentley, Matt evaded police for four days, hopped a freight train to his brother's house in Tonawanda where he was ultimately apprehended. All in right. 1990, yeah, so he's got a pattern. In 1991, Matt convinced fellow prisoner David Telstar to pay $15,000 bail to get him released while awaiting trial for rape and assault. Don't love mm. that. Yeah, which he did. So David paid his bail and got Richard Matt out. And Richard Matt then informed on Telstar, who pleaded guilty to promising Richard Matt an additional $100,000 in a murder-for-hire scheme. So he's like, I'll pay for you to get out, and if you kill this person I want you to kill, I'll give you another hundred grand." And instead, oh. Richard Matt was like, ha, 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 bye, I'm going to just tattle on you and oh. not kill anyone for you. Got it. Okay, so just don't trust this guy. No. no. And Richard Matt did not receive a reduced sentence for informing on Telstar. So it's like nobody really won. They were just like, go back to jail. This is fucking stupid. Go lay down. Yeah, go (laughs) all the way. Go lay down. Make. All the way. Make. (laughs) Dickie, make. Make. Benicio, make. Make. (laughs) So in December of 1997, Richard and an accomplice, Lee Bates, kidnapped his 76-year-old former boss, a man named William Rickerson, believing that William... Bill Ricky. Bill Ricky. Little Dicky kidnapped Bill Ricky. (laughs) Believing... It's really sad, but these names are amazing. (laughs) Believing that he had access... That Bill Ricky had access to a large sum of money and they could, like, make off with it. Mm Mm-hmm. William did not have access to a large sum of money, but no amount of explaining this to Richard convinced him. Scary. So, yeah. So he and Lee drove around for like a day and a half with William in the trunk of the car, stopping every few hours to beat William and demand to know where the money was. Oh, my God. Finally, Richard's assaults went way too far, and he broke William's neck with his bare hands, (gasps) killing him. He was motivated. Yep. This guy sucks. So, 
oh, he's a psycho. So freaking out that he'd actually killed William, he decided to get rid of evidence by dismembering William and tossing his parts into a river in, in upstate New York. He then Which really makes no sense if you think about it because you're just expanding the likelihood of someone finding a body part. And you're making more evidence somehow. If yeah. you're going to dismember, you're better off burying the parts way far apart than throwing mm-hmm. them all into a river where they're, they're going to wash up in the same up. area. Yeah. Idiot. They're going to get caught in all the same net. Really does not this make sense. This guy's not smart. He's no. just a fucking psycho. Okay. He then fled the United States and went to Mexico. Broke and wandering the city of Matamoros. Richard found himself at a bar where he encountered a man named Charles per- Perot. Perrault. Perot. Yeah, I nailed it. When Charles got up to go to the bathroom, Richard followed him. He stabbed him nine times in the back, killing him for $300 cash. Just because this guy had cash on him. Just, yep. that's it. <gasps> yep. Wow. Yeah, he was like in the bar. This is Charles why was I there. don't carry cash. Right. Charles. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it's also the 90s. Like. That's so right. now he's in fucking Mexico. He's at a bar. He's paying for his drinks in cash. Ugh. Richard sees that he's paying in cash. It and might as like, well have been go 50 bucks cash, and he probably would have yeah. done the same thing. Yeah. Absolutely. He didn't give a fuck. Yeah. Like, the cash was, like, one tiny Needed bit of motivation. Needed cash. Yeah. This guy is just a psychopath. Doesn't have yeah. anything to lose, or at least right. doesn't think he does. No, and I think he likes killing people. Ugh. Yeah. Also. So he was caught quickly by Mexican authorities and sentenced to 23 years in prison for murder. But remember, old Dickie doesn't like to sit in prison. Mm -mm. So he tried to escape a few years into his sentence, I'm burping, but was hunted down and shot nine times in the back by Mexican officials, like prison guards. Oh my God. Wow. He survived, but Mexican authorities were like, fuck this guy and sent him back to the US to finish out the rest of his sentence. So he's sent back to upstate New York, and this is where shit gets real spicy. They probably just didn't want to deal with his medical shit from shooting him nine times. That and, like, he's a violent offender who is trying to escape. I'd probably be like, fuck you, go home, too. Yeah, yeah. and if anyone else, else I'll tell you, let your right. homeland deal with you. And right. the, the U.S., they wanted him for the murder of William, so they're going to take him. Mm-hmm. Great. Like, it's, it, who, who fucking cares where he's finishing it off. Anyway. Right. So now it's 2007. Richard is serving his time at the Clinton Correctional Facility in Danamora, New York. There it I is. I totally know where these places are. Yeah, Danamora are. is the title of that book. The big, mm-hmm. the thick, the thick oh. one. Mm-hmm. Okay. While there, he meets, while in prison, he meets a man named David Sweat. Ugh. Okay. Yes, Sweat. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. David had already been in prison for several years for murder, but not just any murder, the murder of a cop. Mm-hmm. Oh. David, his cousin Jeffrey Nabinger Jr., and an associate named Sean Duvall stole a fuck ton of firearms in July of 2002 while they were unloading the stolen fire the stolen firearms. They're like in a park at like three in the morning. They're unloading them from the car they'd use for the theft and transferring them to another vehicle. Mm-hmm. And while they're doing that, Sheriff's Deputy Kevin J. Tarcia happened upon them, and Shit. this is from Ramper.com. Quote, the three men tried to hide, but as Tarcia shone his flashlight around the scene, it was around 3.30 in the morning, he found them. Sweat, who is holding a loaded gun in one hand and an unloaded gun in the other, claims that the police officer reached for his firearm, 
kind of makes sense. Three thirty in the morning, people with a fuck ton of guns. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like I that's, don't, I don't like the cops either. But that's that. Kind of, that's 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 what's their gonna job happen in that yeah. situation in that context. Yep. So as the police officer was reaching for his firearm, Sweat drew his weapon first and shot at him twenty two times. Ugh. One, but he didn't die. And like this is this guy. He eventually dies, but like, what is, he goes, what is this case with people being shot? It's like a video game. Yeah, it's nuts. So one bullet penetrated Tarsia's body armor. So he was wearing like a bulletproof vest and he went down, but he was still struggling and reaching for his gun as he remained alive. Sweat then ran over Tarsia several times with his car. <gasps> oh, my God. Which his defense attorneys claim he did out of panic. Tarsia is still alive. He's got several broken bones, but still alive. Finally, Nabinger Jr. picked up Tarsia's firearm and shot Tarsia twice in the face at point blank range, killing him. Oh, this that poor officer. That's horrible. I That's know. Horrible, That's a fucking really death. gnarly way to go. Yeah. 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 It's awful. So after a manhunt, the trio was eventually apprehended and confessed to the murder. On July 21st of 2007, or 2002, excuse me, Sweat pleaded guilty to one count of first-degree murder. He was sentenced to life in prison without parole, and I believe the other two individuals that were involved were also sentenced to life in prison. Mm-hmm. But they're not relevant to the rest of the story. Okay. So David had been a model prisoner despite the heinousness of his crime. He didn't get into fights. He didn't fuck with prison guards. He just, like, kept to himself. Richard was not a great influence on David. And when David's fear of the violence in the prison led him to request a transfer to a less dangerous spot, he thought he might have a way to, like, survive his life sentence if he could get moved out of this prison that he was in. But his request was denied. So when Richard was like, hey, buddy, I've escaped from prison, like, a bunch of times before. Yeah, I got this idea. I'm on board. Yeah. And David's like, okay, I, I think I might die in here. Let's do this. Right. So how would they do this? By Shawshanking it, of course. Of course. Oh. I'm they surprised they let anybody have posters in prison. Uh, well, this was not a post. Well, maybe <laughs> there was a poster involved or something to cover up the back wall. But this is a digging situation, not really a poster situation. Okay. So they got to work on digging a tunnel, plotting, and working together as, like, next-door cell neighbors. So they're not in the same cell because they're each in their own, mm. but they are they live next door to each other. They're neighbors. They can communicate, probably. Correct, because it's just bars and mm. then a wall. Mm. So a wall between them, but then bars yep. on, like, but a traditional But bars on the front. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So they could talk to each other. Mm-hmm. We'll kind of get to this later, too. But they were also in like, despite, despite uh, this is what's kind of crazy to me. They must have done. Well, David certainly was a model prisoner. So that's why he would be in this ward. I don't really know what the deal was with Richard. He must have been like on his best behavior because they were in a pretty privileged area of the prison. Okay. Not like it was necessarily low security. But they but each had their they, own rooms. They had their that own rooms. That sounds nice. They had access to like room. <laughs> television. Well, their own cell. They didn't have roommates. Yeah. They had I access know. to like TV. They had like commissary access. Like they had, it was privileged. kind of a chill, privileged area. Maybe as there was far an overcrowding situation in the max stuff where they were just like, maybe, well, but it was also, get them. It know? was also like noted in multiple sources where I got my research for this that like David was a model prisoner before this. Mm. So I think that. It, there's possible overcrowding, but I think they had just been on really good behavior and it was like, 
okay, we're going to transfer you over here. Okay. So they're like digging and digging and digging and digging and we'll kind of get to what they used and like how they got tools to do this. Once David's success, they're like digging through the wall in the back of each of their cells. So they're both digging and they're right next door to each other. They're making an access point and then David kind of like takes over and David successfully accesses these like steam pipes that are underneath the cell, like behind the wall and down. And I didn't include a lot about this, but like he was also super fucking clever. Like he fashioned because the steam pipes are really hot and he was like back there Mm. digging, following these massive steam pipes to figure out where they end so Mm. he could like make a pathway out. And so he like wired his own electronics uh, to a little fan that he got from like commissary or something. He like took the- Yeah, he like got this little fan for his cell from commissary, removed like the plug that goes to the wall and then wired the fan along the way into like different spots where they wire lighting for the rest of the prison so that as he was like working on this, he could fan away the steam and like keep himself cool back there. Like moving along the. Yeah. Wow. So he didn't steam his own face off. Exactly. I was like, okay, David. All right. MacGruber over here. I see it. Does the steam also run like all of the time or is it like, you know, for five minutes every hour? So like. I, I don't know, but I, it's hot. It's hot. Once, once a steam pipe, always a steam pipe. Am I right? Mm-hmm. That's what I keep saying. That old chestnut. <laughs> so once David successfully accessed the pipes, he would take nightly recon missions after like the 1030, 1130 bed checks, seeking a solid route out of the prison. So he had access to some tools on the privileged unit uh, that he and Richard were housed on already because they would have like projects and work assignments and whatever. But reports also indicated that they had help from the outside from a prison guard named Gene Palmer, who admitted to investigators that he smuggled tools into the prison and did other favors for Richard Matt in exchange for paintings. That is that painting. That's paintings. Apparently, Dick was a hell of a painter. Wow. And I have included some of his paintings on the drive. And this man definitely loved to do celebrity portraits. Oh, of course. Oh, he is good, though. He's really talented. Julia Roberts is a little busted. Oh, yeah. Julia (laughs) didn't nail Julia, but wow. Didn't nail Julia. Did a really good job on Angelina Jolie. The Clintons look great. Barack Obama looks great. Wow. I mean, Marilyn Monroe, stun. We got Martin Luther King in here. Angelina. He's He's really not bad. The Angelina portrait's really good. Yeah, he's a good painter. Horrible human, but great artist. Bad fucking person. Yeah. Hell of a painter. How weird. So weird. So Gene Palmer said, quote, Matt provided me with an elaborate painting and information on the illegal acts that inmates were committing within the facilities. So he was like still informing. informing. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. In turn, I provided him with benefits such as paint, paintbrushes, movement of inmates. Like if he wasn't getting along with someone, he could have them moved Mm -hmm. away from him. Hamburger meat. (laughs) Like frozen meat, which like we'll kind of get to it. But some of the tools that were being smuggled in by not only this guy, but also someone who became his lover, a woman (laughs) who worked in the prison. They would Frozen hamburger meat, always erotic. No, but... 
Kind of. But also they would like <laughs> hide tools that they were smuggling in inside these big ass packages of frozen meat oh. that they were bringing in. Okay. He would alter the electrical boxes in catwalk areas, probably as part of like the way that David could wire his like fans and other shit. Oh, behind so the, the lights wouldn't flicker or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this is from the New York Times because it's like, at this point, I'm thinking, okay, they're fucking like drilling and hammering and whatever into concrete walls. Yeah. Like even if you have metal two, duct one, work. Yeah. Like even if you have one guard and like one prisoner. There's only so much know. coughing and shuffling one of them can do to hide the sound. Exactly. So I'm like, <laughs> how the fuck did they deal with this? So this is from the New York Times. Quote, an inmate asked about the noise telling Mr. Matt that he heard something that sounded like sawing. So Mr. Matt, Richard Matt a painter who had provided some of his works to at least one corrections officer in exchange for favors, told the inmate that he had been stretching canvas on uh, and working on frames. Mm-hmm. Mr. Sweat said this to the investigators. Mr. Sweat found a spot in a tunnel that ran beneath the prison's outer walls where a series of pipes passed through the tunnel wall. Mr. Sweat told the investigators that he could see along the length of the pipes as they traveled through the wall that they emerged on the other side in another tunnel some 20 feet away. Outside the prison walls, using a sledgehammer and some other pilfered hand tools, he began to chip away at the concrete of the tunnel wall. Because of the dust and grime, he would take a second set of clothes into the tunnel to serve as work coveralls. Oh, yeah, so he doesn't, like, emerge fucking dusty as shit every day. Exactly. Every morning. So basically, they, like, brushed off the initial sound that other people would be able to hear by being like, oh, yeah, I make these paintings for people. I'm like... Building canvases and shit, it's really loud. Then David is like deep enough into the tunnels where people can't necessarily hear him, but he's getting filthy. Mm-hmm. And so he's accommodating for that like as mm-hmm. well. It's actually kind of a an organized operation. It's interesting. Yeah. It's gotta be. It's, yeah. I mean, fuck so, this guy, but interesting. Oh, a thousand percent. I mean, fuck them both. But right. like also, you do you, boo. So on the morning of June 6th, 2015, guards performed their 5.30 a.m. bedroom check to account for all the prisoners. Dick and Sweat had padded their Dick beds. Dick and Sweat. <laughs> Dick and Sweat. Somehow, somehow I hadn't put it together. Yeah, honey. The two Richard. at once. I hate it. Dick and Dick Sweat. Dick and Sweat. Ugh. I can't. Dick and Flicka. Dick and Sweat. Yeah. Just digging tunnels. Uh-huh. They would padded their beds to make it look like they were asleep in them, but guards figured it out pretty quickly that they weren't actually in their beds and sounded the alarm. Their plan was going pretty well until they got outside of the prison walls and realized their promised ride, a female uh, employee, I wrote guard, but she wasn't a guard. She was just an employee in the prison, named Joyce Mitchell, who they had seduced into assisting them, was not there to pick mm-hmm. them up. Like they were, she was going to be waiting Flaky at the exit Joyce. point. Well, it wasn't necessarily flake and we'll get to it. Obviously, they couldn't wait around to find out if she would ever show, so they took off on foot into the woods nearby. They spent weeks out in the cold, like swampy, cold. Upstate New York. Upstate New York. It's July, but it's like not hot. They're sleeping on wet ground or they're hiding up. Or Sorry, it's not July. It's June, but still. June in upstate New York could be like June in Minnesota where it could like literally still snow. It could be cold at night and it's yeah, wet exactly. and Bug, it's rain. like 50 degrees at night. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes they would just sleep on the ground or they would like go up into deer stands, like hunting stands that were mm-hmm. all over the woods. There's sorry, they're still in their prison clothes. Like uh, they just have their own. 
Yes for now. Okay. Mm -hmm. So initially, I think it's like the first few days, they're like trying to get their bearings. They're out in the cold. They're in the woods. They're climbing into these deer stands. Mm -hmm. They just have like the little bit that they had packed on them, like some food rations. They'd also collected black pepper from mealtimes over the previous several months and like sprinkled what they could to cover their scent from dogs to like throw the dogs off. And it actually kind of worked. Like dogs would pick up scent on them and then get confused and lose the scent. Imagine Hmm. not changing your underwear for weeks living in the woods. Yeah. Rinsing it off in a stream. No, thank you. Like Uh if that. They had packed some toiletries and razors so they could like blend in with the public when they eventually, you know, got out of the woods rather than looking like grizzled fugitives. Smart. And then they started breaking into empty, like, hunting cabins to get, like, a break from the cold, get a warm bed, make a meal. And they would do it, like, during the week because people were almost never there during the week. It, they were, like, these weekend cabins. City folk come up yep. on the weekends. Yeah, state. going to the lake. Going, going up hunting, north. Going up north. In one such cabin, they also found a fuck ton of moonshine and a big ass bag of weed. Nice. All all of which they went through in about two days before moving on to the next spot, a cabin in a correctional, like corrections officers camp. So they're starting to realize that like, oh shit, a lot of these cabins belong to COs that work at this prison. Because they live nearby. Because they live nearby. So it's like kind of a risk. But it's also kind of smart yeah. because th- a lot of the cabins had, like, say, the weed, the moonshine, like a lot of contraband in them. And so they were way less likely to report the break-ins oh. because they didn't want to lose their jobs. What's yeah. missing? A pound of e- weed. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So it actually kind of, like, it seemed really sketchy, but it actually kind of worked in their favor. Oh. One of these, like, CO cabins that they broke into, they stole a shotgun and some corrections uniforms, but I don't think they used the corrections uniforms. Like one article said they did take them. Another article said they left the uniforms behind. Maybe they just wore them to get warm. And then they were like, this isn't going to work. We'll just take plain clothes. So that right. we're like less conspicuous. And then they moved on. It's probably would be great to have those if you're still inside the prison. But once you're exactly. already out, it might it's not be raise that some, helpful. Yeah. It's going to raise a brawl. Right. But the weed and booze was too tempting for some of them. And Richard would get absolutely plastered, much to David's dismay. Quote, I got in an argument with him because every place we'd go, he'd get drunk, Mr. Sweat complained. <laughs> I mean, that is and what he, cabins are for, but fine. A thousand percent. No. Yeah. And deer stands. Exactly. And he would drink when we were moving. I'm like, dude, you can't be drunk when we're moving. You have to be sober. Like, yeah, if we're don't sneaking from down. place to place. Exactly. We're not having fun. No, we're not <laughs> going to the cabin. I am being quiet. I am quiet. <laughs> I got I'm it. fine. You guys. I got oh my it. god. I got it. Not my mom. God. <laughs> Such a narca. So again, from the New York Times, quote, the two men found the a transistor radio and a refrigerator full of beer at another cabin. In addition to helping them keep track of where the authorities were searching from them for them, the radio also provided some measure of entertainment and satisfaction. Quote, it was actually kind of a running joke between him and me because on the radio, they're like, oh, they're not woodsmen, this and that. 
Mr. Sweat said, and we'd laugh about it. It's funny. We're not woodsmen, and we've been in the woods for weeks. Then he gloated. They can't catch us, but we're not woodsmen, Mr. Sweat said. But he said that Mr. Matt, 49 at the time, had reckless ideas, like shooting troopers, carjacking passersby on the rural roads, or sticking people up in their homes and taking their money and cars. Because he's the one that likes to kill people. Exactly. Yeah. So they after have different two weeks, philosophies. Totally different philosophies, different approaches. So after two weeks, Mr. Matt began to wear on Mr. Sweat. With the hunters in hat pursuit, Mr. Sweat left him behind. I said, you know what? I hate to do it to him, but I kept my part of the deal. I got him out and I bolted on him. Good. I mean, yeah. Yeah, fucking leave him. He's a psycho and he's yeah. going to He's going to get you into way you. more trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Not that you don't deserve it, but still. So at this point, more than 800 state and local federal law enforcement officers were searching for Matt and Sweat, following more than 700 leads because people would keep like thinking they saw them places. 800 officers looking for these people. Yeah. Wow. This had, well, it's two murderers on the loose. Yeah. Yeah. This had become one of the biggest manhunts in American history. And at this point, it had been weeks since their escape and the like trail had seemingly gone cold like Dogs would keep losing their fucking scent. They're moving constantly. I really remember this. Mm-hmm. It was kind know, of a big deal. I don't know why. It was, it was only like five it. years ago. It was, yeah, it was, yeah. it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Joyce Mitchell, the female employee who had assisted the dynamic duo, was arrested because she like they pretty quickly figured out that she had been helping them. Mm-hmm. So she helped them with saying she'd give them a ride. Was she, she smuggling the tools to them? She helped smuggle tools and she had inappropriate relationships with at least one of them, but probably both. I know they had, I know she had sex with Benicio del Toro. Yep. There's also another part of it that we'll get to. <laughs> okay. So oh. the female employee who had assisted the dynamic duo was arrested. She not only offered a ride to safety that she couldn't provide because she'd landed in the hospital with chest pain, like the morning of their, she escape. had a panic attack. She's nervous. Probably. She probably yeah. thought she was having a heart attack. Yeah, mm-hmm. she, yeah. Mm-hmm. She also provided tools used in their dig, but she wasn't in it for Richard Matt's paintings. She was David Sweat's lover and possibly also Richard's lover. She was so in it for the dick were, sweat. They both were sleeping with her. <laughs> and she was helping them in exchange for their promise. So gross. She was helping them in exchange for their promise to murder her husband, Lyle, so that they could all run off together. Oh, yeah. That's what it was. Oh, yep. Joyce. Yeah. yeah. honey. No. Wow. And, and what's his the name? Dick has already tried this whole bribe me into yep. becoming your hitman. Actually, I'm going to yep. screw you over. Yep. Ultimately, she didn't want to go through with it. So Lyle survived. Hopefully he got a nice and easy divorce with his wife in prison and like Yikes. adultery and a murder plot. <laughs> Expedited by the courts. I <sighs> hope so. Hope it wasn't too lengthy. So things finally came to an end on June 26th, 2015, 20 days after their escape. Can you, I mean, honestly, if I were in, I remember living in upstate New York. It's like mm-hmm. a big area that could feel a lot like a small town. Yes, tons and of small-ish towns and Little woods. towns, so many woods, like and one like fucking interstates. major highway. Yeah. Yeah. And I, if I had been living there at the time of this, I'd probably be freaking out. Almost a month with two fucking murderers on the loose. Yeah. Like, a lot of people no live, you know, they're not living in big cities or even like suburban. Right. 
They're in these little like isolated homes. Towns. Yeah, along the fucking throughway. So things finally come to an end on June 26, 2015. They've been out for 20 days, drunk, wandering alone, breaking into cabins. Richard, Matt, because now they, you know, they've split up. David's like, you're a mess. I, you're going to get me fucking killed. Yeah. I'm out of here. Richard's still kind of wandering around. He gave himself away when a cabin owner called the police to report that his cabin, so like not a CO, CO it was just like it's some a guy. cabin owner. Yeah, who's like, I don't give a shit. I'm going to actually fucking call the cops. Reported that his cabin had been broken into and a bottle of gin was sitting open on the kitchen table, just left there. That is so scary. Imagine going uh-huh. to your, your cabin and then it's like someone's been in there. Ugh, fucking yeah. It would be, and someone's been in there and is like confident enough and doesn't give enough fucks to even try to cover their tracks. They just leave the gin bottle that they were drinking from on the kitchen. That's like really creepy. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure ever, I mean, if I was following this case and I wasn't even in the country. Oh, Oh, everybody, everybody in in that area area is following alert. You know exactly who was drinking that gin. A thousand fucking percent. A thousand percent. (laughs) So Richard had left that cabin, but he wasn't far. He was making his way to the Canadian border, and he was confronted by a Border Patrol agent. He revealed the shotgun that he had stolen from one of the CO's cabins. The Border Patrol agent opened fire on him, shooting him twice in the head and once in the neck, killing him instantly. So wow. Dick Matt, gone. Dick, Dead. Mm-hmm. Dick's out. Dick's out. Mm-hmm. Two, dick's out for Jesus. Dick's out for Jesus. Two days later, a few miles away, also making his way to the Canadian border, <laughs> David Sweat was spotted by a cop meandering in an alfalfa field. (laughs) (laughs) This is like kind of my favorite part. He's definitely the more sensitive of the two. He totally is. He's just like, oh, he's a poet. Again, from the New York Times, quote, the sergeant tried to call to Mr. Sweat to come back to the road saying, come here. But Mr. Sweat responded with, nah, I'm good. <laughs> he started moving faster. The sergeant swore at him. He started running behind me, Mr. Sweat recalled. I took off. The next thing he says, I'm going to shoot you. If you don't stop, I'm going to shoot you. I said, I ain't got no weapons. I don't have no weapons. Mr. Sweat said he held his hands up so the trooper could see he was unarmed, but he also kept running. The tree line got closer. He dropped the bag he was carrying. The sergeant got down on one knee, carefully set up his shot, and fired. He -hmm. hit me twice, and it was the first he hit me in the shoulder uh, on the top, Mr. Sweat said. It killed this whole arm. I couldn't move it. And the Mm -hmm. other one was on the other side. I thought, man, I'm going to hit the ground. And I just started spitting blood up. He hit my lung. David's, yeah. David survived. And after recovering in the hospital, was returned to prison where he pleaded guilty to first degree escape and promotion of prison contraband and had seven years added to his life sentence. And that wild ride for him was finally over. And probably some lasting physical complaints from being shot in the lung. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, mm, not Uh. feeling great. And if you're wondering, I know that Lucy's mentioned this a little bit, but if you're wondering where Patricia Arquette and Benicio Del Toro come in, Ben Stiller directed them in Escape at Danamora, a dramatic retelling that you can stream on Showtime and I think Amazon Prime. I think Hulu also is where I watched it. And Mr. Sweat did not like that project. Oops, sorry. Did not like how he was portrayed. You're a murderer. Tough shares. I'm going to leave you with this outrage from the Daily Mail. This guy wrote fucking a two-page letter 
to Ben Stiller, <laughs> which I did put on the drive so that you can have oh, some reading God. later. But here are some quotes. This is from the Daily Mail. Prison escapee David Sweat has blasted Ben Stiller, claiming the actor-director's Golden Globe-nominated drama about his Shawshank Redemption-like breakout is full of lies. It would be my suggestion that you stick to comedies and movies, Mr. Stiller, before you really ruin people's lives with false docuseries or get better fact checkers. Yes, that's what ruined his life. Was yeah, ben look Stiller. at this man's handwriting. I know. I like it's this very made, childlike. He it made looks like his my own, old diary. He made his own like stationery with like a letterhead. He did. It looks it's very special. It looks like a it just looks like a middle school girl's Yeah. Handwriting. I like if he dotted all of the eyes with hearts, it wouldn't even shock me a little bit based Mm. on that handwriting. The convicted cop killer wrote in a letter exclusively obtained by Daily Mail TV. Sweat is particularly peeved about scenes where he is shown calling prison worker Joyce Tilly Mitchell mommy while having sex with her. Oh, you made it really messed up, Sweat wrote in a two-page letter. <laughs> you have me calling her mommy as if I had some weird psychological disorder or physical fantasy that when I'm sleeping with a woman, I'm imagining that I'm sleeping with my mother. What the fuck? That is so messed up and an illegal defamation. Also, he spells psychological, yep. psychological, yep. P-H-Y. Yep. Yep. Psychological disorder. Defamation. Which I can, that one's more phonetic, but yeah. Yeah. The eyes, it's so swirly. It's so, the handwriting is bizarre. It's literally the handwriting of a, of like a 13 year old who is practicing their penmanship in one of those school book booklets. I like his eyes though. His eyes have a special little swirl. Hey, it's cute. Look at his M for Mr. Stiller. It's very special. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. I never killed anyone. Lots of exclamations. Yeah. I, Weird as handwriting. his editor, would not have allowed this out the door, but <laughs> I no. like mm. the personality mm-hmm. behind it. Mm-hmm. Not his personality, but the right. letter's personality. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And he says anyway. that he, he and Matt bonded over a love of good food and really strong coffee, exclamation point. There you go. Read this letter, Nothing folks. Like it. This you gotta read the letter. It is absolutely unhinged, and <laughs> I so am take really that, Ben Stiller. Yeah, suck it, Ben Stiller. <laughs> I also love that it says I've not been able to watch your series because I am in solitary confinement and probably will be for the foreseeable future because I embarrassed and exposed the Department of Corrections and law enforcement. So how do you even hear about it? He just read articles about it and found out. I would that as- yeah, I would assume or maybe he still has family or friends on the outside that are or like, the hey, prison man. guards. His new prison guards are yeah. teasing him and being like, oh, you like to call her mommy. Would thousand percent. I There'd would. be like a million ways for him to find out some of these like f- juicy tidbits of this series. Wow. He's already so fucking famous from this insane prison break. And Sweat. now this series, this very, yeah, Mr. Sweat. Cool. Now this very successful series comes out. People are going to fucking poke at him about it. I'm sure. Interesting. Well, isn't it wild? Anyway, that's my case. Thank you, fan picker. It was yes. awesome. I like. I was aware of this case, like Kenyon said, as it was happening, but I like hadn't really looked too much into it, and I have not watched the Ben Stiller series. So now it's I'm good. gonna fucking do that. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I'm gonna have to look that mm-hmm. up. 
All right. Well, thank you to our fan picker, Emily Maxwell. I hope you're outside of a super max prison. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers!